You complete wanker. What would a British person with Tourette's I think it's more like? explosive with Tourette's, though, isn't it? Do that again. Wanker, 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 wanker. Hey there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Those guys. Coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. That place. That place. It's actually sunny today. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I am out of the COVID corner. No, you're yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> that certainly doesn't sound like it. You no, <laughs> you're spreading your germs everywhere, Liza. I am now in the cough drop microphone uh, center. You, you came out of the corner swinging earlier when you dick punched Mike. Oh, you guys are so <laughs> That was brutal. Me and McCarthy got nauseous just watching it. Look, I just want to say for the record, yes, I do control the guys here with dick, dick punches. <laughs> However, and you know it's coming if it's coming, right? Well, Jeff? you did, I think, warn him. I give full warning. It was a drive-by, too, on the Amigo. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Amigo, I got a little Bam! something for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got him in the big nut too I think that was the worst part He like, was in trouble one, And he one. knew And I asked him in private I'm like Do you want to just Stand there and take it right now Or do you want to wait And not know when it's coming And he opted for the Not know when it's coming Yeah So I did the Amigo drive-by And look The it, Amigo drive-by It's like and a it is Sanchez a, or something It is a Just open hand Backhand Flick Oh, so those can be those can be the worst. But thing. did you notice she actually has a technique: open hand, backhand, and a flip. <laughs> this has been refined over time. Do not underestimate it. <laughs> yes, uh, but hey, and it works because every guy out in the garage all scurried away. Yeah, it was just survival reflex. And I'm you just moved saying, away it from is, the scene. It is. It, it's effective. I'm sorry, well, but, yeah. but hey, can we know what prompted this? Uh, no. Oh come he on. He was in trouble. Uh, he was in trouble. Uh, he was in trouble for not coming to the, our 500th episode and telling uh, me he wasn't coming. That's what it was. Did you still have some Haribo in there? In there. Um, but hey, let's get to who is here with me in the COVID corner. <laughs> On the classy girl couch, it's everybody's favorite. It's Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. And as of yet, I am symptom-free, but I have no doubt. Because we, um, you and me, we went down to Togo's and got a sandwich, didn't we? Yeah. In the, so I have no doubt at all that, that I've, I've got the Rona now. So, um, But it's lovely to be here tonight. And uh, joining you on the Classic Girl Couch. And let me tell you, he was so excited because I think this is the first time the couch was so offered. Oh, my God. To be able to sit on the couch with Emma is, we save it usually for special guests. He's a special guest. And special. this is the first time he's made it to the couch. He's so excited. It's Ray I Ray. I know. I won't, I won't just dwell on the fact that this is because nobody else is here, but whatever. <laughs> Nonsense, Ray. You are a special guest. I feel special. Special needs. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> and uh, let's see, going around the room, festooned, festooned in bright orange, and for Ooh. a reason. Yes. Which we will we'll get to. It's Scott. Hey, Scott from Oakland, MC, welcoming back the California sun. It's so nice. Yes. Established 1907. Yes. <laughs> now, was that you, Scott, or Oakland, MC? Or a combination of both. Uh, we had an awards banquet last night, and <clears throat> uh, the first woman in the club is celebrating 20 years of being a member, her dad 60 years of being a member, wow. and her grandfather was a member too. Wow. 
There's reasons people fun. stick around that place. We have fun. Wow. I always like the colors too. That bright orange. It's it very was, distinct. It was started like, with Harley. I like the and now it could be MC KTM colors. or you know. Okay, but we're not done there because, of course, that is the sultry tones of Naked Jim. All I really want are wings on my penis. <laughs> is that like a tattoo? Could, it, oh my gosh! I well, think that would be a tattoo. <laughs> no, because awesome I had idea. to pause. <laughs> of course, I, yeah, Liza gives tattoos with her fists. <laughs> and I was going to say, if Liza comes in with a dick punch, it can just fly away. It there can we go. Fly away. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. These these pops things pop into my head. They do. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It is an extreme flaw in design. <laughs> it is, is. It is an engineering that failure. That easy to fell, fell yeah. a man. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somebody who I think has never needed to be dick punched by me because he's just too nice. It's Bagel. This is very true. <laughs> greetings, <laughs> greetings from unusually sunny Oregon. Hey. What? So this is not why you moved to Oregon. Uh, no, but I, I, I will take all the sun I can get. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. It has been nice here. However, the mud is persisting. We know this because all the people who showed up on extremely muddy bikes who've been off adventuring uh, the past week. Uh, Scotty came by, completely muddy bike. Oh, so Scotty came by. I, I thought they had they had just come from Alaska. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just like loaded up, kind of just wow. covered in mud. Uh, yeah, 650L. And then I guess the bigger thing is Ellie, who oh. uh, went on her first adventure, who I think is a little um, bitter that uh, Charlie invited her on this adventure and she's never been riding on dirt and doesn't really have an actual adventure bike and didn't really know what they were getting into and then got taken to a, a real muddy adventure with like water crossings and hillsides and stuff. Right. On their versus with streetish tires. Yeah, the the lesson was Ooh. never trust Charlie because Charlie's one always says, "Oh, it'd be fine." And you know what? I do. I too trust Charlie. Charlie will yeah. stick with you. Oh, and he get will, you through. no doubt. And like he's that. also, you know, he knows what to do and instruct you. But I think it's one of those times where when you get somebody in a little bit deeper than they were ready for, and then it becomes a negative um, experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, and mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not sure that that's for me. I yeah, obviously it wasn't the right yeah, bike. She yeah. fell over tons of times, right. cra- bent a rim, cracked her cases. Oh, and the thing is oh, with, no. and back to Charlie, um, Charlie is the neatest guy, but the problem is it's, it's certainly Charlie had never do anything like that deliberately. But as we all know, Charlie is by far the greatest rider I have ever, He's fearless. I've been back there with him, and he he's fearless. just got this God-given talent of yeah. riding a bike. So when he says it's going to be okay, that's a pretty high yardstick. Yeah. For the rest of us mortals that are just kind of in orbit around him, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, well, this, uh, the, the, it was actually, uh, Ellie was telling me uh, the story earlier, and this is like pretty hardcore stuff, so I, gi- I give her huge kudos for, for toughing it out. So they ride out to New Idria, and that's no short ride. I mean, that's easy oh, no. two or three hours to get out there, right? And it's beat up pavement for at least half of it, and then you get into the, the ghost town. Well, I guess they got there late, and they were going to camp, and I'm like, oh, so you came in the Clear Creek side on the north end because there's a campground right outside the gate. And they're like, no, we came in through New Idria, the ghost town. And I'm like, there's somewhere to camp there? There's, there was, she was like, no, it got late. They got up by the ghost town. And if you've ever been there, it's pretty freaky, right? It, it kind of gives you the creeps. And they, had to, they just had to poach camp right there. And I could not imagine like getting into New Idria late at the ghost town, 
where there's like shit spray paint on the buildings. We're we're all, we're watching you and stuff like that. And they they like set up camp there. And there are people that live there are kind of wackadoo too. So that's a pretty hard. Wait, I mean, wait, wait. It was a heavy experience. There's people who live at Hydria. So right outside there, there's families that because those are all big ranches and. Because a, a trials guy I ran into out of the middle of nowhere out there, I just started talking with him. And he's like, don't ever park your stuff in this area or that area of your truck because you could come back and your tires will be slashed. And, and he goes, most, for the most part, they're people that are cool, but don't push your luck with the families that live right outside the gates, so to speak. Because you, you're out there, too. I mean, you're literally two hours from oh, absolutely. Like Hollister or somewhere like and that. And the biggest issue I've always had with going out to Idria is I've never had the fuel capacity to actually go out there. Yep. Because it's it's basically, it's what, 60 miles in, 60 miles out. Yeah, it's it's a ways because you can't, when me and Liza were there last time we got stuck at the gate, we were, we were past the point of no return. We could not return the way we came and... And have enough gas. So okay. fuel's a big issue. But right, because the closest yeah. is in Trespinos. Yeah, it'd be Trespinos. Yeah. Or you can actually go to Highway 5. That's how far out there you are. Wow. Yeah, there's mm. one legit water crossing that way. And I was telling um, Ellie, it is stunningly beautiful. If you, we're kind of getting the weeds on this, but if you go past, you go down Pinochi Road, don't go to New Idria, keep going straight. Um, it turns into the most beautiful, it's dirt, graded dirt roads, and it's just like, Rolling hills, jackrabbits, trains, cows. It's just gorgeous. But the next thing you know, you're like, what's that gas station? It's Highway 5. But that was the start of their trip. And then I guess they went in. And yeah, the roads are kind of jacked up there on a good day, right? In Clear mm-hmm. Creek. And um, and I can't imagine with all the rain, it had to be brutal. But kudos to Ellie for toughing it out and taking that versus with street tires. You know, and I think that's a difference, too. I mean, like I said, Charlie won't leave you behind. He'll get you to the end. Oh, yeah. I oh, didn't yeah. Mean it like but- that. But as Ellie was saying, like there were like hills that were too steep, and we had to all get together and push each bike up one at a time. They wouldn't yeah. ride up, and oh, like wow. I don't think she was pre- prepared for that kind yeah. of. Yeah. It is a bummer she kind of beat up and the it, bike, and it is because the, the bike was clean. Yes, and it is the wrong bike. Oh, totally by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. No, she shouldn't have been wrong. back there at all. Even in the summertime, it, it would be a sketchy bike to take. No. But anyway, it's cool back there. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, she was... So kudos to her, though. That's real oh, biker shit right there. There was so I much know. mud. I'm like, where did you go? There's just mud washing off the bike. Everywhere. Anyway, good. Well, and I was asking um, Scotty about going down there. I'm like, here's what I understand. This yeah. is a... It was an active dirt bike park that got shut down because of, I think, asbestos or yeah, mercury. I think it's or mercury. Or I think it's mercury. For different stories, right? Yeah. Shut down. So you have this existing park with paths and, and roads and It's supposed and to be possibly the everything. best dirt biking like in the country, if not the world. But you can get a permit for $5 a day and go get the code and go in there. Um, but it's like, well, how is that any different than just paying the ranger at the station? Yeah. It's kind of weird, but I think it's like all bets are off. It's isn't maintained. You're on your own. Yeah, we'll see how you know. Yeah. And it was good a dirt, It was a dirt know? bike park, um, but it's not been maintained. So people ride back there all the time. Um, you know, but it's like two stroke riding. It's huge hills, loose shale. Um, but you can also go right off a cliff. Well, so, and here's and again, the thing. you're like two hours from anywhere. Here's the thing. Charlie's a good rider, and we've all been on, on adventures like that. But um, you know, for. Poor Ellie. She's like, these people are crazy who do these <laughs> this kind of writing, right? Yeah. Do the mud and do that. This is crazy. Much like people who do long distance writing, like, mm-hmm. on, you know, the kind of length of rides that you're like, you must be crazy, right? Mm-hmm. There's all, all different types of people doing stuff that other people just think is crazy. But I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to 
talk to some friends of ours and find out just how crazy they are, really, because they just did something really, really crazy. And in fact, they're here with us now. We got Wendy Crockett and Ian McPhee. Hi, guys. Can you hear us? Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey. 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 Wendy. Nothing from Um, Ian. Can you hear us, darling? No, he cannot hear us. Nothing. Nothing. He's going to work we on just, that. I can see him, I'll have, though. I'll have you know we just spent like an hour holding his hand through this process to make sure he <laughs> works well. <laughs> Maybe well, he's muted then. I want his face to turn into <laughs> the <what> cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think <laughs> the best thing is if we just keep talking and he'll see if he can sort it out. Because you guys have been making the news a lot. You guys just did something really crazy. And in fact, you set a world record, a Guinness World Record. Like, that's official. Wow. Right? Yeah. Um, And Wendy, you've been on our show before for doing something crazy, but not as crazy as this. So you (laughs) are a long-distance rider. You're an iron butter. Do do the iron butters call it iron butters or just the non-butters? It it works. Iron butter works for me. Okay. Ian, are you back with us yet? He's still- oh, I hope so. Hey. Oh, yeah. Hey. Hello, Ian. Yeah, so... <laughs> that does mean every day. I flat out turn the lights on and off, and they give me a laptop to operate on. I'm like, yeah, this is going to go badly. Fantastic. Well done. So I wanted to thank you guys for calling in, because we have so many questions. First of all, Wendy, um, you, you look. are you ready for a gala? You look all gussied up. I know my hair is down. I actually just, I, it, the, the temperature here in South Dakota got up to like 45 degrees today. So I'm like, wow. so I actually just got back from a nice long ride. So I just oh, didn't jealous. have time to braid my hair. No, you look good. Is. And Ian, you sound yeah. different. Where are you? Well, I'm uh, Queensland, Australia. Mate. Ah, so, hello, about mate. Halfway up, about halfway up the coast, the East coast. And, okay. Uh, I live at the end of a long road with a few hills and not many people around me. Now, you should be forewarned, Ian, that Americans are absolutely obsessed with telling Australians to put another shrimp on the barbie. We won't do that. We won't do that. So just be aware of it ahead of time. And, you know, I don't think Liza will be able to help herself. So just so you know. No, no, no. We we will not. I'll let you know we don't do that as a habit. I'm sure not. It's okay. We won't do that. But, um, yeah, I wanted to have you guys in because uh, you guys, as I said, you just set this record, and it involved long distance. In fact, explain – why don't you tell everyone exactly what the record is? Because I know you do a lot of writing, um, but let's – what is the official title for this record? Uh, So the official title is Longest Distance – ridden by motorcycle in a single country by a team. All right. And for the single, I know I had years ago, we had Danielle Lynn on here. She mm-hmm. had, had the title as an individual. Um, so the team is, this is a new category. It hasn't been done before. Nobody's ever done it before. Great. And had you guys ridden together before? Did you know each other from iron butts? No. Oh, what? <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> oh my god! We 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 had actually um, crossed paths. We we've ridden in several Iron Butt rallies at the same time, but we had never had occasion to really talk to each other until like the beginning of 2019. We were standing in line for the buffet next to each other, and we shared five sentences and then wished each other well. 
And then it it just happened um, that he and I had really long stretches. There was a lot of thread bonuses in the in 2019 rally. And he and I happened to be going for several of the these very long bonuses where there was not time to deviate and you had to get every single thing in these threads. So we just happened to end up on the road together, you know, sitting, right. waiting for sunrise to get the first bonus and then hauling up the road to get the rest of them. And it was like, you know, we didn't have comms or anything. And we were both riding very old bikes that just happened to have like identical fuel range. And, you know, we, we had comfortable keeping the same speeds and, both of us were kind of ready for naps at the same time. And then <laughs> we we rode as long as our plans coincided. And then we were yeah. like, okay, well, see ya. That was fun. So and, <laughs> and good. So I just had a quick question. So does that Ian, does that make Wendy your nemesis? No. Thanks for my right answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she she won the 2019 Iron Man rally. Well, you know that yeah. that rally that rally set a few records, and uh, obviously Wendy winning it was the biggest record of all that was broken that year. But um, uh, it was it was a rally on its own. Jeff Earls is a rally master with a difference, and um, I guess if you if you've never ridden a, a rally or or done even car rallies, or I mean, there's push bike rallies and all sorts of things out there. If you've never had the fun of joining in a rally, then you need to go and try one because they are a lot of fun. And uh, Jeff's so, method this particular year uh, broke a lot of people's planning. So he set a lot of records in that respect as well. Well, I'm going to take but that we, answer as a yes. Yeah, yeah I, like, I, I said yes, he's a nemesis. And he said no, not a nemesis. So, so I'm going to go back. So I'm, I'm very interested about how you two met in the circumstances. Yeah. You're obviously, you're based in South Dakota, so you're already in America. Ian, what what drew you to America to ride? Was it solely for the Iron Butt? Because, I mean, if ever well, a country was designed well, to do an Iron Butt, Australia would be that country. Except you can only go is. in circles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we've got some roads, so you can go up and down and east and west as well as round and round. But, um, so what happened was, I, I knew about the Iron Butt Association in 1985. Okay. I wanted to ride the rally. Since 1985, but wow. obviously, you know, life gets in the way. And yes, you know, I was a young guy and had all sorts of other competing priorities at the time. Anyway, kind of from like the mid 90s onwards, I was working internationally, working all over the world, doing all sorts of interesting stuff. And um, anyway, long story short, end up back in Africa in 2011, and I signed up for the rally, the 13. Anyway, so. I, I hopped on a plane, went over, bought a bike, went back to Africa, started work, and then for the next five years, I was just backwards and forwards every few months or every year, mm. um, riding this BMW and um, participating in rallies. I rode the Iron Butt Rally four times. I rode the Team Strange series of Butt Light rallies four times. Rode a few other smaller ones. Jumped up to Europe, rode a couple up there over the years. Had a lot of fun. But anyway, so this 2019, when Wendy and I hooked up, like Wendy said, we'd had a few sentences in the buffet. And then um, we met. We, we kind of solidified our hookup at a at a um, ferry loading dock at like three o'clock one morning. Wendy was asleep <laughs> on the concrete, and um, I turned up behind. I turned up. All I could see was like this lump on the ground beside a bike, and I went to a rally rider. 
So I turned all my lights off, turned my engine off, laid down the concrete, went out like a dead man. And then about two hours later, some bloke with a F something truck with a five-inch exhaust and a doof doof coming out of it woke us up because he turned it all on. So I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and I'm going, hello. She said hello. And, 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 then, we so- discover we're, and then we discovered we are riding the same roads. That was fine, but we had to take the same ferries as well. So we really were tied at the handlebar for like 36 hours there or whatever it was there. Yeah, well, this was, it was a ferry in uh, British Columbia and there was a lot of people had gotten these, um, this circuit of bonuses going clockwise, but we were doing it counterclockwise, which if you did everything just absolutely precisely, you could do it in like half the time that it took to do the other direction. But there was no, no there was for one way to make everything work. Right. So it's while we're sitting there comparing plans and you're not allowed to um, like if if it turns out that you are going to be sharing the road with another rider for more than 24 hours, you need to call the rally master and let them know that you're not going to be a team. And so we're mm. we're comparing very loose notes because I don't want to tell him I like I'm not going to show my hands. Right. And he doesn't want to show his cards. So we, we kind of realize in this circumstance that um, we are going to be doing all these same bonuses. We have to call the rally master and let them know that we're not a team. So I called the rally master and I said, hey, Lisa, uh, me and Ian are sitting here. We're getting ready to get on the, uh, the ferry at uh, Horseshoe Bay. And we're not a team. And I'll punch him in the face if you need me to, to prove that we're not a team because we can't break up. And then immediately after I hung up the phone, I'm like, a terrible freaking thing to say like what if this guy thinks i'm a maniac for threatening to punch him in the face but it turns out that he likes my sense of humor of, of like threatening physical harm and then we got along splendidly so from there on out, that sounds like, like we were our, talking about before you joined the call <laughs> yeah yeah we do that here so and wendy mm. since well, uh you were, we it's lisa yeah no. <laughs> Uh, since we, you were last on our show in 2019, you also did a, didn't you do a special trip with your daughter? Yeah, we were actually, uh, on our way to South America and in my sidecar rig yeah. when the pandemic hit. Yeah. So we literally crossed into Mexico on March 15th, 2020. And that was as far as we made it. So we ended up, um, staying down there with some friends and it was a, like a really good, mutually beneficial um, situation. Uh, they, uh, president and vice president of the Iron Butt Rally in Mexico, obviously with everything closed down for the pandemic, they weren't seeing a lot of action and, um, we didn't have any place that we would rather be. So it turned out great. And then as things started opening up, we got to ride a lot of good rallies down there and had all sorts of great adventures. So, and how long were you on the road with your daughter? Uh, almost two years. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And, yeah. and I just, was she like doing school in the sidecar? Yeah. So <laughs> we were doing so cool. that's awesome. Cool mom yeah, award. We were, oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's gone back to normal school this year and, uh, or last year. And um, the teacher hit me up at one point. She's like, Tess is telling all of these fantastical <laughs> stories. And like, we don't know what's true or not, but it's, you know, it's coming from a lady who said, you know, she's never been further away from Rapid City than Denver. So it just absolutely right. blew her mind that Montessa has been in, you know, half the states and all through Mexico and has all had all sorts of adventures already, just way out of way out of her scope of uh, experience. Right. So we know that you're a long distance rider. and We know that you're an adventurer who gets big ideas. So my question is, 
which of the two of you had this crazy idea? Well, <laughs> it's it started with me. Okay. So, I mean, it took a lot of beer to get it as big as 83,000 miles, but it started yeah, with me. Just before, before you go too sideways, Ian did a saddle sore, which is a thousand mile day on a MT350 Harley Davidson in Zambia. So he is not a stranger to wild ideas. Yeah. He does them all low key is the thing. So he has had many wild ideas. He has executed many wild ideas. This yeah. is just the biggest. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Where was I? So this oh, was your, uh, your so idea, it, huh? Your... So, no, so what happened was in Australia in 2009, I did a ride that's never been done before. You might be surprised to know that. I did um, <laughs> over I did over 3,000 kilometres in, in under 24 hours up in one of our states called the Northern Territory, which is basically big, long, straight roads and an 82-mile-an-hour road limit. So we it took us a year to plan it. Uh, it took three of us a year to plan it. Uh, there's a lot of animals up there. It's like running into the side of a car if you hit any of these things because they're big and they're hard and they hurt. And so we planned it really carefully, as much around animal movement as anything. Anyway, in the middle of that ride, I'm riding along. What can I do in Australia? Because you've got to remember, at this point, I had never been to America. What can I do next in Australia that's going to be fun? So I said, I'll ride the states in alphabetical order. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, fast forward a couple of years, and then, and then nothing nothing happened with it, right? It got put on the back burner like a lot of, lot of other plans, and you know, some of these things never, ever come to fruition. Anyway, fast forward a couple of years, I'm back in Africa working away over there, me, on me job over there, backwards and forwards to America, and I got into America to ride Butt Light 6 Team Strange Rally. It was a six-day, 6,000-mile rally. Oh, a little appetizer. <laughs> exactly. It was the warm up. It was the warm up for the Iron Butt Rally. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the following year. Anyway, so here I am riding down the road on like day four. Ah, I had a good idea. Mm -hmm. The capitals ride in America. Oh yeah, because <laughs> at that point, I thought I really thought I only had two years in Africa, and that was going to be my limit. Uh, basically, the end of my international travelling for work. Anyway, Africa turned into five and a bit years, but anyway, that's another story. Anyway, so here we are, rolling down the road. I thought, oh, yeah, when I get back to Africa, I'm going to get in the Google Maps. I'm going to plot this out and just see how far it is because I actually didn't have any clue. So uh, end of 2012, I'm tapping away at the keyboard, tapping the capitals, the state, the American states, into Google Maps and writing down the coordinates and writing down the miles and da-da-da-da-da. I come up with sixty three thousand miles. I said, "Hmm, well, wow, that'll do for that'll do for a wow. ride." Anyway, so then it sat. It just sat as an Excel file for years. Anyway, then twenty nineteen happened. Wendy and I met on a ferry ramp in the dark, as you do, and um, we had so much fun on that rally. We we got into some place I can't remember where we were. My BMW. Oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh no! Okay. Well, while he's coming back, here I want to ask a question. I want. I want to repeat the this idea of writing to all the states in alphabetical order. Oh, he's back, Jim. Jim, Jim can you name yeah. the first yeah. four states on their list? Okay, uh, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Boston, and Emma, Cleveland. Don't help. <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> so, <laughs> Alabama, Alaska, 
Arizona, Arkansas. Oh, I was, uh, I was born in Arkansas. Arkansas. That's terrible. Arkansas is not doesn't end with a W. It ends with an S. That confused me for a very long time. Like yeah. Kansas. It's our Kansas. It's like Ed- exactly. Edinburgh. Now exactly. there's, there's no B states, are there? Are there B states? No. Emma keeps trying no. to think of the B no. states. No. There's no. no B. No Q. There's no just, S. There's no that, just that comes in later. This. This <laughs> is where the plan got diabolical. And I'll let Wendy take it over. Oh. So Ian Ian calls me up one day and he's like, so I had this idea that I want to share with you. And I'm like, well, that sounds ridiculous. Let's do it. That sounds great. (laughs) So this was, um, uh, oh, probably late 2019. So Mm. shortly after um, we started kind of tossing this around and trying to figure out how this would work and what would look like, uh, the pandemic hit. So that gave both of us a lot of time on our hands to come up with ridiculous ways to make this more difficult. <laughs> um, so you the, got uh, no idea some <laughs> of the shit we come up with. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we we were looking at uh, just for interest sake what what this record would entail. What would a Guinness record entail? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there was no team that had held the record. But the um, like our our benchmark was based on the existing individual record, which at the time was um, hundred sixty thousand kilometers. Yeah, and um, so we're like, cool. Well, that's not much difference. We just we'll just add a little bit on the edge there, fill it out. So we have those letters that are not represented in the alphabetical list of states, being um, what Z E H. Uh, Q, uh, yeah, so one more. Um, G. No, George is there. I feel like I'm on National Public Radio, and it's a a show. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) This is awesome. So we took we took those letters. We found the smallest towns with a name that started with those letters that still had something that identified them. Like they had a post office or a sign or something <laughs> like we're driving around street view, trying to find towns with a population of two that has a sign <laughs> that we could document our visit. <laughs> and we like as far apart as we could come up with. And then we plotted them out backwards. So we started at Z and Zumbro falls, and then we did Yale and then, um, Zinia we did was in Zenia. There. Z- yeah. Yeah. Ohio, and then, um, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yep. Yeah, so uh, Quillacine Bay. And uh, yeah, so by the time we were done doing all of that stupidity, it came out <laughs> to 80,000 miles and change. So then we were like, I have a buddy, uh, Dave Barr. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He is rad. Um, he is a double amputee who held a world record for riding uh, his bike around the world, including all the way across China in the eighties. Um, he did this on a, like a sportster. So, um, Dave was a friend of mine, just like neighbor down the road where I lived in California and his world record was 83,000 miles. So we were like, wow, the town that he lives in starts with a B that makes it our last town. What if we add some more miles on, make it 83,000 <laughs> miles. We'll match Dave miles. And we'll meet Dave at his house. I'll get to introduce Ian to Dave everybody will happy it'll be like confetti and there'll be doves <laughs> flying around and it's going to be perfect and so that's that's how that all came it made a lot more perfect sense with all the sense. beer that we were drinking at exactly. the time 
<laughs> so my 63,000 miles, we tacked on 20,000 and then just pinned back the ears and give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I wanted to take a second to talk about your choice of steeds. Yes. Let me ask yeah. uh, Scott. Because I don't think you, I don't know if you're familiar with their bikes. What would you say if you were going to set out to do this epic trip like this? What's the what bike are you choosing? Are you going to go down and buy a new bike? I assume this is all road miles. Road miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's mm-hmm. what's less, the yeah. ultimate bike? I know you say I'm boring for it, but I like my GSA or oh, something yeah. like that. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Get, like, Huge like, tank, like a, a comfortable, yeah. good like, wind protection, hot grips. You know, luggage. What yeah. if I told you? Mm-hmm. That Ian rides a BMW, a 23-year-old BMW. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're built to last. So. <laughs> I had an 80, uh, 81 R65, so, you know, Yeah, I, I mean, I, a 23-year-old BMW would not be my first choice for long, long distance riding. <laughs> and Super simple to Wendy's fix. Wendy's bike is not that much newer. What is yours, like yeah. a 17, 16-year-old bike? Yep, 2005. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So they're not new bikes how many before you started this trip how much how many miles did you have on each of your bikes so i have i have a stable of 2005 fjrs <laughs> because they are the perfect bike yeah it is and like, i love them and i've spent so much time and effort making it the perfect bike that I just keep going and buying more 2005 FJRs. I started looking for another one because my original had 300,000 miles on it. And I, I started keeping an eye out for um, another one so I could take all of my long distance stuff and just plug it onto a new bike. Well, then it's like lost puppies, right? Like you find one and then there's like nine more in the wings. I'm like, I need all of you. So I have, I have six Gen 1 FJRs right now. But the one, oh my God. The one that wow. I did this ride on because it wasn't smart to head out on a bike with 300,000 miles on it, yeah. Ian. And so the, I started out with one that had like 18,000 miles on it. It has like okay. uh, 106,000 miles today. Okay. So, wow. But eight, oh, eight, you got so that's kind of like how uh, my, my grandfather, it took me years to realize as a kid that he just kept getting new dogs but kept calling them lady. And I thought he had just, <laughs> a, a really old dog. <laughs> He, he would get a new hunting dog every couple years, and I just thought it was the well, same dog. So that's the trick. Quick aside, my yeah. my uh, uncle, who was awesome, he had like a um, XR250, you know, ladies. And my aunt, who knew nothing about bikes, was like, we have a red motorcycle in the garage. And when the, um, the Mike Hillwood replica bikes came out mm-hmm. that you had to like get on an order at midnight on the year 2000, yeah. whatever he bought MH-900. a Mike Hillwood replica and he rolled out the XR and he rolled in the Hailwood. And all my aunt knew is that there was still a red bike in the garage. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's how I'm doing it. I just, I rolled one blue FJR out and rolled the next one in behind it. So what, so it, Oh, look at that. Look at that. Ooh. Hailwood rep. Nice. Uh, so mm-hmm. Ian, how big is your fleet of R eleven hundred RTs? I have the remains of two. <laughs> the remains of two. Now, <laughs> I too had an R eleven hundred RT, and it was a very comfortable bike. Yeah. Comfortable, it was that robust. seafoam green. Uh huh. Yep. Glacier green. I yeah. think they call yeah, it. Yeah, glacier green. Glacier yeah. green. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It had though. Can I tell you? It had a sad story. It had a really sad tell story. Me. So I tell bought me. it used from a dealer with like 
I don't know, 30,000 miles on it. It's no big deal, right? Because this is my first mm-hmm. real, like, well, I had had an older K bike, but I wanted to get a nice, a nice newer bike. And uh, took it for its first trip down into the Panhandle in Florida. This is just from Georgia, so it wasn't far. And I uh-huh. uh, saw some smoke coming out and I uh, saw some oil dripping out. I thought, oh, I must have sprung a leak somewhere. But I was in the Panhandle where no civilization, no phone reception. So I thought, well, best thing to do is just stick it into fourth gear, ride about 30 miles an hour. So the engine is running very slow until I get back to civilization, which I did. And then I finally got a a tow truck and then a rental car. And I got it home and I took it back to the shop. I'd only had it about two weeks. And they informed me I had killed the engine because the oil sight glass blew out. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, that was a known problem. Yeah. And this was not a acknowledged problem from BMW. And my yeah. two week old used bike now had a dead engine that I had to pay for a brand new engine. So my R eleven hundred RT actually was an eleven fifty, but that was my sad, sad story. <laughs> and I'd bought it for a cross country trip that I then couldn't take it on. I had to take my old K bike. Anyway. <laughs> But I still loved it. That was such a great bike because you can ride it. I could go right up into the hills with everyone on their sport bikes and really ride it yeah. nimbly. Yep. Or yeah, I could hop yeah. on and go do an iron butt, which I did an iron butt on it. What an amazing yeah. bike. Yeah, but, yeah, they're what, great bikes. But I mean, watch out for this oil sight glass. So they stop and they steer and they, they've got good ergonomics. But, and, you know, for a boxer, they've got reasonable power. Uh, it's but I'm wondering mm. if Wendy thought maybe it wasn't such a good idea for you to take that bike. Wendy, one of the only one, said, do you think you want to get an FJR? I literally oh. had like 10. <laughs> I literally had, I kid you not, probably 10 FJRs offered to me. Well, we borrow this. I can't borrow that. We're going to put 80,000 miles on your bike. You know, we, we're, I can't do that to you. Hey, Wendy, that's anyway. what John Ryan rode, right, in Iron Butts. He'd do yeah. these urban the Iron Butts on FJR. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, yep. and you yes, know what, Ian? I'm going to side with you. It would make too much sense to have identical bikes that could share parts and, and, and tools. That's, oh, that takes away the challenge. And you guys well, love a good challenge. Well, love so a good challenge. The, the backside of that story is by this time, I've been riding this bike for 10 years. And it has been ridden. The only time I put a leg over it is to go and ride it in the heat of a rally, right? It is flogging them hard. It never, ever once missed a beat. I never even blew a headlight bulb, right? That's how much trouble it never, never, ever gave me. So I was, in my mind, quite rightly justified in saying, I maintain the hell out of this thing. I do things to my BMW to maintain it. The most normal riders are going to go, twitch, twitch. I'm not paying for that. Well, I was I was paying for it because I didn't want a problem in the middle of a rally, right? So when I went to the extent of paying, and this one, this just, Wendy can probably explain it better than I can, but this one killed me to pieces. I spent three grand getting my transmission rebuilt before the IBR. And that transmission turned out, we didn't know it at the time, to be... 90% of our problems on the road, we just didn't know it at the time. So anyway, I've got this bike that I've got full confidence in. I've ridden, I don't even know how many miles of road on. Anyway, so here we are starting this ride. I've got full confidence in it, and we have nothing but problems with it from day one. And I'm lost like, come on, I've had 10 years with you. 
You've not given me a hiccup to put just untold amounts of effort into making you sure you're reliable. And it was the things that you don't touch because they never fail that started failing. Can I ask what kind of transmission motor. problems you had? <laughs> uh, total a grenade. A total <laughs> grenade. Now, Ouch. now, I want to I kind of paint a picture because we're, we're kind of setting up like you guys are just crazy going out on these old bikes. Oh, yeah. Now, I do want to... I want to side with you and that there's a bit of information maybe not everybody knows if you were to do a trip like this on an older bike yes with higher mileage yes you better have a mechanic with you yes in fact how many mechanics did you have with you two we, we had, had two that's right 100 percent mechanic saturation you guys are <laughs> both mechanics so um you uh ian you um work for somebody or have your own shop I've had both at various points, but my my work history is um, I started off in the 80s as an apprentice in a little tiny country town in New South Wales, fixing tractors, working on tractors, right. farm machinery. I went from that to working on the biggest mining gear in uh, northwest Western Australia, which is very, very, very hot, like 50 degrees Celsius. Oh, sure. And um, worked on the biggest mining gear the world had at the time. And then when we moved to Queensland, I started bouncing around the world working on mines and in volcanoes and drilling for bloody oil and gas and exploration gold drilling and all sorts of stuff, but always as a mechanic. Now, in these third world countries, when you're trying to get stuff fixed and there is nothing immediately available. You improvise. Improvise. Right, and and you, I think I think you guys are qualified enough. You could probably fix anything with bailing and, wire uh, well, and well, a bottle cap. So just <laughs> hang on, and Wendy, now we we share something in common because you have your own shop, don't you? As do I. Yep. Nice. Right. Yep. I I don't uh, have it up and running at this point. Yes, but we've uh, uh, up until um, we closed up to uh, do the traveling with my daughter. Yes, I'd had my own shop for fourteen years. Well, that's actually that's actually the very first place I met Wendy, because one of the bonuses ah. on a rally we were on was take a photo yes. of Montessa, and I'm thinking Montessa's a motorbike, right? Because I didn't know, and I didn't know where. Where did you live? You lived in um, Kern River Valley. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that Cyclesmiths was Wendy and Mike and Montessa, the daughter. I thought Montessa, I was going to find a bike shop with a motorcycle and it's called Montessa. So, so he rolls so, up and I walk out to hand him the baby and he goes, that's cute. Get it out of my face. I need the bike. <laughs> At the time, Montessa's about that tall. I'm, I'm not picking that thing up, mate. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I have to assume that in, in all these miles, and I, we're going to start getting I know there's a lot of stories breakdowns and all that stuff but um i assume that you guys had to do a lot of maintenance and as mechanics and it sounds like you have a lot of experience with your bikes you knew exactly what to do well guess what it's game time we're, we've, go, we're we've gonna do a, a quiz for you but here's the thing we know you know your bikes we want to see how well you know the other person's bikes so we've come up with a quiz we've come up with a quiz called maintenance intervals Oh boy. So we're going to see how well you know what uh, the maintenance intervals are on each other's bikes. Emma, take it away. Okay. So <laughs> let's start with Wendy. Wendy, what is the scheduled spark plug replacement 
interval for Ian's BMW? I'm going to say... <laughs> <laughs> 12,000 kilometers. We're going by miles. Sorry, we're no. using miles. Oh, we're going by miles. That's in miles. Is this in yeah. miles? That is in miles. It says in miles in the top left-hand corner. Does it really? Yeah. In the top left-hand oh, corner. Oh, yeah, it does. It say in miles. <laughs> in miles. Now, you're British, so you can convert. What is that in metric? 12,000 uh, kilometers. Okay. Sorry, I put it in. I had it in kilometers. I'm like, no one, none of our listeners will well, know what it means. We'll, we'll, we'll say ten thousand miles. Okay, so how did she do? You know what? You got it right, but the wrong um, denomination. It's twelve thousand miles. miles. All 12, right. This is according to really? the, the manual. Yeah. And, I, and I know as mechanics yeah, and as, as long distance riders, you probably have your own schedule that you've come up with. But I looked up the manuals for your bikes. So yeah, I w this is straight out of the workshop manual. Genuine Yamaha in your case, Wendy. Genuine BMW in your case, Ian. All right. So, mm -hmm. um, Ian, <laughs> same question for you. What is the scheduled spark plug replacement for an FJR 1300? 2005. Oh. The American version in miles. In miles. Or you can... Australia runs on kilometers, so you can give it Correct. me in kilometers, and I'll just work it out in my head. All right. I reckon that FJRs are probably going to run at about 10,000 miles. Also incorrect. Ooh. <laughs> I would think Japanese, it's going to be oh. longer. Ian, you had time to a Google A lot more it. interval than a BMW. <laughs> got more? more I, I tend to run by the Wendy Crockett yeah, yeah. workshop manual. The yeah. Wendy Crockett workshop manual says that spark plugs are iridium and they get changed every 100,000 miles worth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> According to Yamaha, it, and this sounds really heavy to me, but you know, it's funny. A lot yeah. of Yamahas are heavy on their plugs, 8,000 miles. Really? Yeah. But that's the standard plug. And, of course, Wendy is quite right. The iridium plugs tend to last forever. Um, so put that, in, put that in perspective, right? The average rider on an iron buck rally, when they go leave home, go ride the rally, go home again, is going to do in excess of 10,000 miles. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yeah. no one has a spark plug fall off. So. Yes. <laughs> Good so, point. <laughs> so we're going to come to an area that is going to cause – um, a lot of grinding of teeth and chafing for <laughs> Wendy, and you're just going to rub your hands together because it's the easiest thing in the world. So, um, Wendy, what is the, where did I say it, the valve clearance interval for a 2000 BMW <laughs> R1100? Ten-minute well, job. Ten-minute job. Give or take. Give or take. Yeah, on, on this on this ride, we Mine did it uh, did it every service, which again was about every twelve thousand miles. I'm going to go with that. Well, you know, BMW actually say six thousand miles, mm -hmm. but really, you know, and yeah. the thing is, this is straight out of the book, and I think for the riding you're doing, twelve thousand miles sounds absolutely spot on for me. Now, but this is where there's the, the teeth grinding because, chain, you know, checking and adjusting the valves mm -hmm. on an FJR 1300 is not a 10-minute job. <laughs> oh, it's, more, nope. it's more of an oh, old... Oh, and he disappears. Uh, oh, he did. He's Googling it. He, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's back. So, he should know this one, too, because I've right. gloated so many times about it. Well, yes, you did. <laughs> but it takes all day, Wendy. 
mm, you know, it's not, it a, does. it's not a five-minute job, is it? So, oh. same question for you, Ian. What is the valve clearance interval for a 2005 Yamaha FJR 1300 in blue? 45,000 miles. Ooh. Wouldn't it be good if it was... <laughs> <laughs> 26 that's not, that's, yeah. that's close so enough now I'm interested it doesn't matter what the answer is you've got to say it with conviction and <laughs> yes well no exactly um, let's do let's do one more for them no we're going to do one more okay we're going to do okay, one more one. which is an interesting one obviously they suck at this <laughs> no they <laughs> no, don't no 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 they know hey, their mate. bikes better hey mate we're mechanics right who ever read a bloody owner's manual? <laughs> and I've, I've got to be absolutely. I'm going to be absolutely straight with you. I've got my own motorcycle shop, and I've got mm. lots of workshop manuals, and they all sit in the corner getting cobwebs mm -hmm. on them because when you get that thing on the ramp, you know it's real seat of your pants stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. workshop manuals are great for torque settings and stuff like mm. that, but you know at the mm -hmm. end of the day. And it's it's the same you were saying with your machinery. You know, you've really got mm. to improvise sometimes. So let's yep. do final gear oil. Both of these bikes are shaft drive bikes, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah, the, I mean, there is a difference. It's not huge. So, um, Wendy, what is the mileage for the shaft drive, the final drive oil change on a BMW? I think it's I'm I'm freaking embarrassed because I'm a BMW tech and I've done enough of these. I'm just, <laughs> hey, we told you to do more. I'm gonna say yeah. Um, I'm gonna say six thousand miles. Actually, you know, BMW say twenty four thousand. Yeah, which is Jesus. Quite, wow, which is quite wild, isn't it? So, same yeah. question for you, Ian. FJR thirteen hundred two thousand and five. Final drive gear oil change. Given how unreliable those things are, I'll be changing it every six. <laughs> Sixteen. Oh, oh what? Really? <laughs> but now, in your defence, because I said, "Oh, I beat them, I beat them." You know, when you're out there on the road, the the use you're putting these bikes to is very, very unique. It's a lot of very, very um, constant throttle openings. Mm -hmm. Constant mm -hmm. RPM, so you can really stretch those service intervals. Um, constant so temperature, yes. constant temperature, right? Things aren't getting hot and cold. These bikes got hot and just stayed hot for three. Right, months. exactly, because <laughs> cold start ruins engines. You know, exactly. you know, it's the old adage: eighty percent of the wear in an engine. I think all the intervals are right after you buy it, and then never again. <laughs> well, that certainly saves you some money in the short term. Well, so so that brings. I would like to know what um, schedules did you guys develop for your bikes to keep them going on the road? What? So what we did is mm -hmm. we set up a service location in the center of the can, country. It was can, in can Odell, Illinois. Can <laughs> we was, back up a sec? Yeah, Wendy, Wendy. I've said this before. <laughs> he glosses over. How much of the planning was done by her in country with her ah. intimate knowledge of your country? So when she says we, it's like a royal Victorian wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just here in Australia going, oh, all right, mate, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, that's all I, I'm good. <laughs> so, 
Continue with the we. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're looking at the map and trying to to find locations that we are passing through a lot mm-hmm. that are pretty reasonable mm. that we can that we are passing through with some measure of regularity that makes it worth making it a, a service location. And that we found Odell, Illinois, which is about midway in the state, kind of south of Chicago, about a hundred miles. And it just so happens that we were passing in or near it a whole stack of times. Interesting. So yeah, we we worked everything out so that we were servicing the bikes roughly every 14 to 16,000 miles. Okay. Which is a lot to go, but we're, you know, we're running synthetic yeah. oil. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, nobody was supposed to be burning out clutches or anything, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we at every 16,000 miles, we're doing everything. You know, we're doing front tires. We're doing. Uh, but you, you say 14 to 16,000 miles, but in, in time frames, is that what, two, three weeks? About, it, it was about three. 12 days. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give or take. Yeah. Oh, my there God. Wow. So every wild. 12 days, we're doing engine oil, filter, final drive yeah. oil, um, inspecting Ian's valves, uh, <laughs> taking a look at his alternator belt, um, air filters, like anything that we can reasonably get into and, and you know, tighten down, make sure that everything's going to be going well. Uh, both of us did dark side tires in the rear. Oh, um, really? Interesting. With, yeah, very success. Yeah, and the big was... part of the big part of why we went dark side because neither of us had ever done that before <laughs> was so that we could stretch out our service sure. intervals um, to make that fourteen to fifteen thousand mile ish um, range work. And, how, how did you find the handling? Yeah. Um, it was better than I expected it to be. But I have a bike tire back on my bike now. Yes, like I so, it, it was <laughs> yeah. it, was it was really good it for was what we needed it to do. Exactly. Yeah. It so, it was the perfect thing to do for a ride where you were just sitting out there droning up the interstate. Well, I have to say, in all of the months that we rode around America, I never once got bored on the interstate. Not once. We hmm. we got some nice twisties and stuff in there too. Here we and there. did. We did, but the the car tire was just the perfect thing to do for what we were doing. So, how many miles yeah. were you getting on on each tire? About. Um, so on, we um, both of us have the same size front tire, um, and we ran um, Dunlop Road Smart fours, and those things were freaking phenomenal. They um, were just out of this world. Out of this so, world. a couple of times, um, due to various catastrophes that kind of screwed things up. Um, there was like twice we had to change them out on the road. All the rest of them, every single one of those front tires that came off on our scheduled um, services came home with me. They all have several thousand miles left on wow. them. So wow. really, really impressed with how those worked. Yeah. On on my um, rear car tire, I was getting about 25,000 um, a piece, wow. 20, oh, 27,000 a piece, wow. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Ian was getting about half that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my my rim is a really odd rim. We were we were limited to one tire, and it was not a touring tire. It was more of a sports tire. Okay. Hmm. I, I'm curious, Wendy, when you guys said you, you set up a location, is this like a mechanic shop you had a relationship with? Is it like a roll up garage? Is it a dirt lot? Like like <laughs> it what is do you mean? If you didn't before, you did now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was a storage unit. Yeah, okay. So I could totally I, see that. Makes sense. I was calling around to all of these, like, in, I mean, and I was looking like a 300-mile radius. It didn't really matter where we were. 
but I was trying to find something that had power, which we couldn't find, but also find something that had 24 access that was super cheap. Mm -hmm. That was long enough to, you know, park all of the trailer and everything in there in between services. And that nobody would get mad if we were like low key ripping bikes apart every few weeks in there. Um, so this, it ended up being perfect. You know, there was just, we were centrally located enough to source parts when we needed something that we didn't have on hand, but the vast majority of the stuff, I mean, like every single service item that was foreseeable, we had stocked in that storage with the idea being that we could pull up any time of the day or night. We knock out, you know, we spend eight hours servicing both bikes completely and swapping out tires. I brought my tire machine, um, the <laughs> manual machine, um, and uh, then everything just get packed back away in storage and off we go. So, and, uh, so as we now know, all right, lots of planning and preparation. These are two people who are mechanics. They can handle anything. They've done long distance riding. So what could go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly that, go that, wrong? That's, that's my question. Is so that what? before we put the side stand up for the first time or after we <laughs> so, put it down so for the last time? What, what, could go, what could go wrong? So what went wrong that you weren't prepared for or expected? Well, in the well, planning, yeah. we, we had planned. So because we both had confidence and faith in the reliability of our bikes, we actually didn't plan for any major failures. Um, we both got. Well, that's not true. We built. we brought a spare final drive for your bike. We brought a spare drive shaft. I mean, we true. we had reasonable but, expectations yeah. for what was going to be. Okay. But we were changing them ahead of a failure, so we were right. planning maintenance. So yeah. we didn't actually plan for any failures. We planned a final drive change and a drive shaft change because we know they're a bit of a weak point. So we we're going to swap them out ahead of time, so we didn't have any down downtime on the road. All right. Well, so so what could go wrong? Exactly. At that point, what could go wrong? We were planned. We were experienced with these bikes. We knew how well these things did and didn't run. We knew that we could ride them at 85 miles an hour or 90 miles an hour or 35 miles an hour all day, depending where we were, and we knew how that handled. We both got our suspensions rebuilt front and back. We did everything we could to these bikes to make sure we had no problems. So and that worked right up until about day two. Easy. Well, not even that. So we we started the ride in Australia, and we were doing the alphabetical ride in Australia as well, and yeah. that went sideways in, a, in an entirely different kind of way. But but we that was more because we had two options in Australia because um, gas stations are not generally open twenty four hours, and they're really spread out. Um, so in order to make all of that timing work, to be able to catch open gas stations and be able to keep making progress, we had two options. One of them was that we could um, do this at a pace that would guarantee success, but um, we would not be doing it at an iron butt pace, mm -hmm. or we could do it at a pace you know that was nearly unachievable, exactly. but if we could pull it off, it would we would be doing it at an iron butt pace. And we had so much shit go wrong, including I hit a kangaroo. <laughs> what? So, yes. So here so, we are. We're riding down the road at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and Wendy's behind me, and I'm keeping an eye on the mirror because I didn't want to lose her in the dark. Anyway, so here we're riding, and all of a sudden we're in the corner, and the road went dark. I thought, oh, damn, how long since she's – how long since she was there? So I did a U-turn. <laughs> you know, you sometimes you're not quite – you don't always keep – an eye on what's going on behind you, yeah. and you should be. Anyway, so I did a U-turn. I went down the road about a minute, and literally there was the headlight stopped in the road. The bike was vertical. There's the there's the bike standing up on the road. I pulled up beside him, 
How are you going? I hit a roof, but I'm okay. I fell over, but I'm okay. I picked the bike up, but I'm okay. I'm okay, mate. <laughs> well, when you hit your first kangaroo, it's really special moment. I'll tell you. I'll you. <laughs> There's a whole ceremony. It's like a really big raccoon. It's like a christening or something. <laughs> oh really big God. raccoon. Oh, I'll tell you what. So, so, so I remember, just, uh, oh, sorry, years ago I was driving in Australia and they've yeah. got these wombats and wombats move yeah. kind of slow. And the trouble oh. is a wombat, when it sees the headlights of the car, it kind of sticks its head down and sticks its butt up. Yeah. And wombats have got these really big, hard butts. And if you hit like one of those of things, you're off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. like concrete. Like a block of concrete. They've got photos on the internet of um, road trains with the front axles the steering axles, yes, under the drive axles because they had a wombat. Yeah, and a wombat's not a massive thing. I mean, they're chunky. Mm. It's like the mm. size of a pit bull, a big one. Mm. Oh, so, a big one. I'm so, seeing Ray right now. That, yeah, I was oh, gonna oh, say, I, I'm feeling targeted here. <laughs> <laughs> so you hit you hit a roo, but you were you were okay. The bike's okay. Yeah, it was it was pretty decent. But the reason Ian How lost was track the of me is because his. Uh, he took off. There was two of them. Oh, one of them was the one I hit, team. and I, I had, I had come almost to a full and complete stop, but I hadn't downshifted fast enough. So I think if I had been in first gear, I would have been able to like launch off his ass and you know <laughs> continued on my way. Is how it, it that's how it plays out in my head. But <laughs> I just I couldn't power out of it at that point. And then his stupid friend is like running into the side of me. And uh, so and what, oh, what you didn't just, see is after that had happened. They gave each other a high five at the side of the road. <laughs> Good on you, mate. You got her off. And then they go into the darkness. <laughs> so the theory, the theory when you're running into a room is there's actually a, a, a practical theory on how you hit a road on a motorbike. And obviously you don't hit these things head on. But if you happen to have like a glancing blow, the idea is to have the brakes on really, really hard, get your speed as low as you can get it, and then right before you hit them, you let the brakes off. Okay. For all of your listeners at home, that that's how you hit a roux. That generally works. You just bounce off it then and keep going. If you might want smash it. Because if you want to back up a half a, a half a step further, when things went wrong on this ride, so I was I you know I had everything planned to to leave South Dakota um, on <laughs> whatever the day was March you know twenty eighth or whatever. Well, a couple of days before that. Everybody else, everyone in my house got norovirus. And they were like, we have four people here. We have two bathrooms. You need to get out. Like, we love you, but leave before, like, leave all the leave-ins good. So I really quickly, a little ahead of schedule, kind of packed everything up because um, I have an open trailer. I wasn't, I was planning on driving straight through to, to Illinois. So n- stuff wasn't like secured for overnight parking or anything. So I'm, I'm rapidly just packing up the trailer. And when it's packed up, I take off and I made it 70 miles from home and I hit a f- deer and totaled my car oh. in 70, 70 miles from home. And I never hit, I've never hit anything big enough to cause any damage. Everything I've always hit, I could eat in one sitting. <laughs> and I totaled, I totaled well. my car. So my husband had to come out, who was violently ill, <laughs> drive his truck out, wait for the tow truck. We swapped everything that I'd carefully packed on, you know, in the cars, uh. just being hurled into the other truck. Swapped everything out. He rode with the tow truck with my car back to South Dakota. That's how quickly things went. 70 miles. That's how far we made it. Mm. So, anyways. 
Australia happens. That is a whole nother batch of stories of everything <laughs> that went wrong there. That was so sideways. And it was like historic rainstorms and, you know, all of this flooding and nonsense. We had a wonderful time. And so we saw an exploding cow. We saw an exploding what? cow. What? That was great. Okay, do tell. But, you can't just like leave that one aside. I think I can guess. That's a cow that's been it. dead long enough that it's like an exploding yeah. whale. Yeah. We, we were on our way up to Darwin in the Northern Territories, and we see this thing, and it's just, it's vibrating. It's so bloated. Oh. And we're like, oh, that is only a matter of time. Yeah. And we oh. came down about 30 hours later, and it was just... Oh. 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 I can see Liza poking it with a stick. So, so, and I, I, I heard there. So there were. Uh, so okay, you worked out some of the kinks on Australia, but so by the time you get to the states, well, you no, have it all no, no, out? back up, back no? up, back up again, another half a step. Oh no, to the part where we get to the United States. Okay, because we have everything packed. We're supposed to fly back May seventeenth. Uh, from leave Australia, fly to the United States. Everything's good. We have everything packed. We've done our COVID tests. Everything is ready to go. To, we're like 10 hours before we have to be at the airport. And I get worst friggin' pain in all of the history Uh-oh. of the world. And it turns out that I had kidney stones. Never oh. had kidney stones before. Oh. Not once. I'm, yeah. I have to go to the hospital. The oh. wait in the hospital is hours and hours and hours. The biggest kidney stone that you can generally pass unassisted is about three millimeters. Mine was 12 millimeters. What? So, oh, my God. Wow. Yes. And, and he's got one in each kidney. Oh. One in each. Never had kidney stones before. Yeah, right hydrated. before that's, that's, we have to get on the plane. That's so, worse than a dick punch, isn't it? Yeah. It, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It lasts yeah. a lot longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous so i'm sitting here going okay great give me some pain meds and you know because I, I got a plane to catch and uh they're like no this is like emergency surgery yeah. time it's oh, it's lodged God. in there everything's getting backed up like you need to be in surgery yeah. asap and i'm like no thank you i would like to be on a plane i have a motorcycle ride to do like, <laughs> <laughs> that is not happening so it was so close because i was the one with the emergency it was no problem to reschedule everything but Ian couldn't change his flight because it wasn't his emergency. So <laughs> there we go. You a few hours fake later, a kidney stone, man. I did. That's what I told him. <laughs> <laughs> Had to go to the workshop and make a kidney stone and stick it in there. Yeah. You know, I think I think for guys, the in-flight defueling is a little easier. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> tell you what. Well, we so we we ended up we had so much stuff go wrong about crossbath rides and we actually came up with a phrase that's all in all of our bad luck we have the best of good luck. And <laughs> Wendy's Kingstone was the perfect example. I mean, what would have happened if we'd have been halfway between Brisbane and LA and she got knocked over, right? This was life threatening. Yeah. Yeah. So we this was a disruption like you've never been disrupted. But it was like, well. God damn, how lucky are we that it happened while we're yeah. in Brisbane, yeah. not at 30,000 feet yeah. with 18 yeah. hours, with seven hours to go. You know, it was. So, how long? It happened a week earlier. Yeah. <laughs> how long exactly. did this so set you it, back? So, uh, Ian got on the plane as scheduled. I was in the hospital for a week. Wow. And so, I had um, my flight delayed by 10 days. And another 
big issue is we were doing all of this when Australia was still closed mm-hmm. through the pandemic. And so we just said, you know what? We're tired of waiting. We're just going to we're just going to start making plans and we're going to hope the world opens up. So we were like, you know, it would be fun. Let's make my plan for April Fool's Day. And that's what I did. So, um, you know, a lot of these plans we made before Australia opened up. So as soon as Australia opened up, um, Ian tried to get a six-month visa. And this was in um, probably oh. February when things started opening up. He immediately applied for a six-month visa. And it was like a 10-month wait for the interview. Mm. So he only oh could word. get a 90-day visa. So now we have the problem that Ian's in the U.S. and I'm not, and we have and 90 days to do. We have we have 90 days to do an 83,000 mile ride, oh. and now his clock is ticking. Okay, okay, I want to pause a second. This record, <laughs> and for people who've set this record, is usually done within a year, right? The most amount there's of miles no time limit. in a year. There's no time limit. Oh, it's just a continuous <clears throat> ride. But you guys are yep. doing matching what like Danielle did in a year. In how many months? Four, three? Well, 90 right. days. We, 90 days. We did her days. Rec- oh, my God. Yeah, her record was 40-some-odd yeah. thousand. Yeah, so our, our plan was to match her record in in uh, in eight weeks, six mm. weeks. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, so now- Which was technically, technically possible. So animal strike, emergency surgery done. So far, Wendy's the problem, not Ian, as, ex- as we would out. expect. But I'm guessing that maybe Ian didn't have as much luck either. <laughs> Ian, what could possibly go wrong with your old BMW? Well, <laughs> Let, let's start. So, so, how well does so that mean? On his, yeah. So Ian's on his it's way to Alaska good. alone at this yeah. point, right? Because that's that's what we figured had to happen. Is Ian had to go on to Alaska by himself to make use of this time. And what I would go once I got to the U.S., I would go to um, uh, Arkansas. Um, yeah. uh, I would meet him in. I mean, sorry, uh, Alabama. Um, and then I would meet Montgomery, him in Alabama. in, in um, Canada, and then we would pick up the rest of the ride from there. Yeah. So yeah. I would be doing the lower forty-eight states, and he would have Alaska. Um, is the best way we could come up with to make this work. The portion so, riding in Canada does that that doesn't count towards the record. Doesn't right? count. Doesn't count. No, you got to go to count. Alaska, but it doesn't count. Okay. So Ian, yep. you shipped the, miles the bike from Canada. Yeah. So you hey? shipped the bike from Australia to Alaska. Is that what you did? Uh, no, I've had bikes on most continents. So I've got a uh, the BMW in the America. Track. The BMW in America is a bike I bought in Minnesota <laughs> in 2012. Okay. Ah, okay. Lived there its whole life. So my Australian bikes, obviously, are right here. My American bike, I fly over, hook up the battery, and off I go. Okay. And my African bikes, the same thing. Yeah. So, um, hey Emma, these uh, RTs, they're yes. pretty solid, well built bikes. Yes, generally, what very ki- well built. What kind of incident would it take to say crack a frame? <sighs> well, the trouble is. With the design of that bike is there's a lot of components that are kind of integral with the frame, mm-hmm. which means that if your engine mounts come loose, theoretically, you could crack a frame. If you hit the front end hard enough, theoretically, <laughs> you could crack a frame. I, I'm guessing that Ian knows the answer. Ian, what's it take to uh, crack a frame on a BMW? <laughs> Hot hole, but it's big enough to swallow. <laughs> 
you, your car, your motorbike, and the trailer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought for sure it was where a did it? Where did it crack? Uh, it broke on both sides at yeah. the, where the bosses bolt to the transmission. Oh, so it, oh. and that yeah, doesn't surprise just, me. So the engine kind of obviously the momentum of the engine pivoted back and cracked it. So when the back wheel hit, it kind of shent, mate, sent a shockwave. <clears throat> Wendy put it really, really well. All she saw was sparks, and then the spark stopped, and then the spark started, and then the spark stopped, and then she got overtaken by a pannier, and then the spark stopped. So we've got it pulled up on the side of the road. It's one o'clock in the morning, mind you. We're on some interstate. I don't even know which one it was now. And um, I could see this big bulbous lump running up the road. What the hell is that? And then I worked out. Wendy had picked up my pannier. I mean, and she's sprinting up the freeway <laughs> with my pannier. <laughs> she's left the FJR on the side of the highway down there. Like, oh, it mightn't have been a quarter of a mile. It was a decent, a decent run. And here she is. <laughs> and so, because we had the, because we had the comms hooked up, all I could hear was. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, what do you do? I mean, you can't ride, right? Was it was it just cracked well, or was it? Broken. Well, we we had a look at it, and uh, because the footboards hadn't completely sheared in half, we decided we ride them slowly. <laughs> so we did like sixteen hundred miles back to what? Odell. Oh, yeah. What? The, we decided so- we wouldn't. We decided we wouldn't exceed the speed limit until about ten seconds later. We got to the speed limit, said screw that, and we went <laughs> oh back to ride away. Oh. We we oh. it. <laughs> it was a bit wobbly, you know, but we were good. <laughs> But we we didn't we didn't realize immediately the 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 extent of the damage because one it was dark and two it was hidden by plastics. Yeah. So, but I'm looking at his bike, going, "Your center stand is super low, man. Like you're <laughs> scraping." When you're oh, man. Is the bike starting a taco? Is that what's happening? And so, like, as backing up again, just a step, ends on his when he went to Alaska on his own. Um, there was a ferocious storm, and the bike got blown over, and it caused a lot of damage at that time that kind of had everything kind of tweaked and it wasn't quite Mm. sitting right. And we hadn't had a chance to fix it, um, you know, in its entirety. Um, And so I'm looking at that going, is that bad from before, before, or is that just like worse (laughs) now? So um, we, we probably went, we went and slept on the ground in a truck stop that night. I remember. And then um, uh, probably six hours later in the daylight, he's like, I'm like, it's really off. And he's like, yeah, honestly, it feels off. I think we should assess, and maybe um, we were going to be kind of passing. We were we were um, like in the rough perimeter of of Odell, and he's like, I think we might need to detour um, between New Mexico and New York to Odell. So we pulled over at a gas station just to assess, and we're like, Yeah, it looks kind of busted. In. So let's we'll detour back there, see about getting it fixed. We'll behave ourselves. You know, we'll do the speed limit. And we did not do the speed limit. Is, is there just, any duct tape or zip ties being used at this point? <laughs> no, because, just like it was what we did is normally I lead. Um, and well, in this case, right, she'll be right, mate. We let Ian lead so that when the crate, the, the frame <laughs> cracked in half, then I could like run sweep to keep the big rigs off is how we, that's how we address that problem. Good plan. Solid plan. But yeah, we didn't, it wasn't until we got to Odell and we actually ripped all the bodywork and stuff off that we were going, 
whoosh. <laughs> it, it, it was it was being held together by the plastics or what? No, it was, it was being held together. Bloody sideboards, the footboards. One 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 footboard was holding it together. The right was broken through in three places. It was a left oh. the left yeah. um, foot peg <clears throat> mount. Wow. Yeah, we were like, you were one enthusiastic sneeze away from dying. So this was July 3rd, which was a Sunday, oh. right before the 4th of July holiday, that we pulled this apart on a Sunday morning going, what the hell are we going to do now? Like, we need a TIG welder. This isn't mm-hmm. just like oh. small repairs. Wait, what state um, was this in? Illinois. This was uh, so we can figure yeah, out where had, on the <laughs> where they were. What letter? Yeah, I. <laughs> no, no, no. We had we were on our way from New Mexico to okay. New York. Okay, and and excuse okay. me for just yes. one minute. I've had something banging outside. Of going to go sort out. It must be a roux. All right, it must be a roux. So <laughs> dingo um, seeking revenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we start right. with those boxes. We start calling around going, like, we're going to lose so much time. We've already lost time at this point. We've glossed over the fact that his clutch was slipping. He had a, um, like, his transmission seals were were um, leaking, and that had oh. made his previously dry clutch into a wet clutch. <laughs> and we, we had a guy that helped us source the parts we needed because on this old bike, like, you know, none of the BMW dealerships in the U.S. had the parts in stock that we needed. Our buddy found the parts in Virginia. He rode from Pennsylvania to Virginia to fetch the parts. He was on his way to us in Illinois with the parts when he totaled his bike on a deer. Oh, so, oh no. He, le- he left those parts for us in a hotel in West Virginia. <laughs> we got in my truck and because we didn't want to put miles on my bike that we weren't traveling together. Those are wasted miles as far as Guinness is concerned. Drove out to West Virginia, fetched the parts, came back, fixed the clutch. Right. Done deal. Never have to worry about that again. No, so that's that's a story later down the line. So we've already lost a lot of time dealing with the problems that we've had up until this point. Um, and now we're like, what the hell are we going to do? We're going to be down for like another week. So we start frantically making calls around town. And this is a town of 600 people. So people start realizing that something is wrong and people are milling about our storage unit, trying to figure out how they can help. And who needs what? Talk of the town. Yes. And so um, uh, another guy that lives a couple towns down uh, that also does endurance riding is like, I know a guy that he fabbed up my ox tank. He's a NASCAR chassis fabricator. Oh, Ooh. Let me see if I can get this guy on the phone. So he's trying to raise him up. Can't get him on the phone. He's like, it's Sunday. He's on his way to church. I'll be right back. So he goes and intercepts the guy on his way to church. On Sunday, the day before 4th of July, and he agrees to make the repairs for us. Wow. So, like, this is what Ian was talking about. We had so much good luck in the middle of our bad luck. That easily could have had us down. I I like how you see that as the good luck in the middle of the bad luck. I have a question for you. You're making the best of luck. So, Ian, so do you guys use Airhead Beamer Club or MOA, you know, the the BMW MOA or anything like that? Because they have a hell of a network. They they do, but I've got an aversion to forums. So, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we I don't, really I, don't have... I don't generally. How do I put this? I, I have I've a worked theory. In so many places around the world, so long where I've been solely reliant on myself, but I actually don't generally. Okay. I, I, I have a theory dying. about. I don't generally get too concerned about long distance riders like yourselves. You don't really like people that much. <laughs> That's not far. 
<laughs> we, 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 uh, oh, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. We, I mean, the reality is that, that we had specifically planned to execute this ride as close to under the radar as we could because of our time restrictions. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to be, um, you know, like forced to socialize with people. <laughs> we don't want to be nice. We just want to be riding. So yeah. we hadn't told anybody like his wife, my husband, um, and probably half a dozen other people knew that this ride was even going on. So, um, well, you want to know something funny, Wendy, <clears throat> when the whole COVID thing hit Jim and I said, we need to, we need to hit the road. We need to get out of here. We went to South Dakota. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's where we went to hide from everyone. Yeah. We love South Dakota <laughs> and ride the black Hills. Um, yeah, we're real, real sidebar. Ian, can you swivel to the side for a second? Yeah, just Please. yeah, yeah. Swivel mm-hmm. to the side, Emma. What is that behind him? I was gonna. It's not a CCM. Oh, what is no. that? So Wendy Seller did a did a um, thousand mile ride in Zambia and Africa. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a Harley a, Davidson. That's a Harley. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's an MT. Yeah. Three fifty. Wow. Yeah. So there's a hell of a story to that one too. I did um uh, the machine gun case is the dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still got its it's still got its side panels. It's still got the ammo box on it. Um, it was it was a it was sold at the MOD auctions in uh, England, and the guy that I bought it off was a son of some missionaries who went down there in the forties or fifties, and he just never left. So he's still living down there running this thousand bus bus company, literally. I'm not joking. And um, every few months he goes to England to buy some more trucks and buses, and he's a Harley Davidson fanatic. So he's got a whole heap of big twins, and he bought twenty of these three fifties and wow. took them back, threw them in the back, threw them in the back of one of the trucks, and took them to Zambia. Wow. Anyway, so in this little camp, this mining camp I was living in in uh, in the back end of Zambia, it was sitting in the in one of his workers um front yards hey wait how much you want for that he's told me how much it was sir i'll go and get some cash so i bought it off him and then i proceeded <laughs> proceeded to see how far to go in a day anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway so i rode it into the congo without a visa i rode through some gardens and back and then um I rode it down to the south of uh, Zambia and back, and I rode it to Victoria Falls. I rode it all over the northwest province, which is the area we lived in. I put about like 20,000 kilometers on it in three years. Wendy, you live in, in yeah. Harley country. What's that bike worth in, in South Dakota? What do you think you can You can't from? get it in the U.S. I know. So what do you think that bike is worth? Well, uh, so we were like um, – Recently, we're like, what's our next adventure going to be? It has to be stupid. It has to be stupider than what we've <laughs> oh, just no, done. Yeah, okay, we're getting so, to that. So we we started looking into um, what it would take for me to get another uh, MT350. Oh. So we could do a ride on two MT350s side by side. <laughs> and so like anywhere that you could find them, they're like $50,000 and up. Yeah, like mm. ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah, so we were like, well, maybe... We're going to do them on posty bikes instead. <laughs> well, nice. may I pre- may I present to you a, a possible next challenge? Yes. And yes. actually, I'm Tell not us. even going to be Tell the us. one to present it to you. I'm going to ask Bagel to present the idea to him, to, to you guys, because he's our guy. He's our scooterist guy. 
He's also <laughs> our iron butt guy. On what's behind him. Might you ever consider that? We have long discussed doing like the scooter cannonball. Mm-hmm. This nice. is done some, yep. he, he did an iron butt yeah. to start the scooter cannonball. Nice. To get to the start of the scooter mm-hmm. cannonball, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Bagel is yep. our long distance guy and he does it all on Vespas. By choice. Yeah, by, not just because he's crazy. By choice. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Bagel. There's yeah. guys in Australia done fun burner goals like 1,500 miles in 24 hours on scooters down here, right? Eh? That's that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. I've I've done forty eight uh, or twenty two thousand miles in forty eight hours on a GTS three GTS two fifty. That's hauling ass, man. Yeah, Full respect. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and 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 that's with a breakdown where uh, the fuel injector got clogged, set me back several hours, <clears throat> but got it going nice. again. And thanks thanks to the help of Miss mm. Emma. Oh, I remember mm-hmm. you. Yeah, because yeah. I was actually riding through yes. uh, an army base. And uh, it's blistering hot. And I was sitting by the side of the road. Oh, it's so bloody hot. And then the phone went, it's Bagel. So, I mean, the stars aligned for that one. Because, of course, if mm-hmm, I was on my yeah. bike, I wouldn't have taken the call. And I, I kind of mm. navigated you through um, clearing up your injector. So, just yeah. just, just to, to wrap up your story, none of these things and none of these events deterred you. At n- at, was there any point where you said, let's pack it in? We, we have said many times yeah. that <laughs> any martyr two people would have quit long, long right. before we did. But um, no, I mean, it was this was a once in a lifetime ride. This was Ian's original vision and why he was so set on doing it on the BMW is this was his swan song for that bike. Like he has reached the point where he is kind of done with ultra endurance rides in the United States. It it was already time for the BMW to kind of be retired. And so he wanted one last big hurrah on this bike before he puts it on a a ship to go back to Australia and sit in a museum somewhere. So this was, it was do or die. Like there's no redoing this on different bikes. It would, that would be a completely different adventure. So So, there was no point. And we have, so we have a ton of video. We had to make a ton of video for Guinness. We had um, cameras on the bikes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And we have so much video. We have 117 days of us going, down BMW's falling apart again. Look at this. We're torn apart. We're sitting on the side of the highway. This is just, and we're just happy to keep fighting the fight. And there was like one day. Where it was like, holy hell, I don't think this is something we can fix. And then we went and we drank some beers. And the next morning, we found a way to fix it. And, you know, it still sucked down 10 days out of our ride. But we found a day. And I think that was that one. We have that one video where you just see some measure of defeat. And the rest of it was like, I can't tell you how many times we said, we got all of our bad luck out of the way early. (laughs) <laughs> so I've, I've got a question for, for both of you and I'm going to ask Ian first and I've got a very good reason sure. for that so Ian, sure. I mean you're married do you have children? Yeah. they're both grown up they so, you, you. so there you go so I'm sure you miss being away from your wife and your wife I'm sure misses you because I mean just on this trip alone you're away for six months right? 
Well, put in perspective, right? So since the mid nineties, I've been away for two, three months at a time. Right. Yeah. So. And so this trip, while it was a bit longer than normal, it's it's really for our family. It's the, the norm. The absence wasn't that unusual. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Wendy, but it's slightly different because how old is Montessa now? She's eight. God, that's got to be hard. I mean, six months out of your child's life at eight years old. So we were... In Australia, I was in Australia for six weeks. Yes. And then back in the U.S. And so we had opportunities to see her um, half a dozen times through the right. course of the ride. So we, you know, I, I did have opportunities to spend time with her and that type of thing. But we have a similar situation. Um, my husband works in Los Angeles. Right. So he's gone. Um, he does gig work and he's gone for big chunks of time. And we often swap out. So, you know, if I'm traveling for work or whatever, um, and it's just what she knows, you know, she's, exactly. she's accustomed to dad being gone for a while and then popping back in. And sometimes, you know, mom will be gone for a bit. Right, And I'm less, sure she misses her common. dad and she misses her mom, but I yep. bet she feels queen of the heap when she's sharing these stories in school to a teacher <laughs> exactly. who's never traveled more than 50 miles and she's been halfway around the world. Well, yeah. it's, and it's. I think just this year she's starting to realize that she's telling these stories about how she went, you know, three days into the jungle on a sidecar and was swimming in a waterfall. And people are like, you're full of it. Like, this is the most bizarre story. <laughs> and that actually happened. And so she's just starting to really fully realize that not all kids grow up in a right. sidecar traveling around <laughs> the world. So Probably a better world if they did. huh? Hey, I'm sure yes. it would be. Hey, I, I have a question. I'm curious. You know, one of our mottos here is live to ride, ride to eat. <laughs> you know, you traipse it all over the country. Were there any stop, like any curious foods, food stories, or would you look forward to dining at a certain diner or restaurant or taco truck or something? What was the eating like? Mate, I think we ate more grass off our legs than we ate solid meals. I was going to say, did you hear how many times I said they slept on the concrete? I mean, these are... Well, yeah. maybe they had a bomb hot dog truck there. Well, and, I don't know. One yeah. thing so, I've learned, if you see so a, a bike and a bike on the ground, it could just be an iron butter. Apparently, yeah. that's what they do. So, so part of the planning was we were going to stop every day at a um, Cracker Barrel because I've oh. stopped at Cracker Barrel once or twice, and I really love the meat and veggie type thing. I have a very plain diet. I like meat and veggie, and I don't really get into all of the exotic stuff. So look, oh, we're stopping at Cracker Barrel every day. How hard could that be? Well, it turns out in 119 days, we never stopped at one. <laughs> How funny. I would say we, the large majority of days, we did not have a meal at all. Wow. Exactly. We, so wow. Snacking we, out of a tank bag, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the gloves on. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that, that became hard because now, I, now that I know I've had the kidney stones, but they don't know what the kidney stones are made of at this point, mm -hmm. that eliminates like three quarters of what I would normally be eating in my tank bag food. And right. then as we're having more and more, um, you know, delays and mechanical catastrophes and, and all of this stuff, um, the time has to come out from somewhere. So as mm. we're trying to keep this pace up, um, the first thing to go is just like our, our meal time and then sleep mm. time starts getting cut back. Mm. And then eventually yeah. you'll so, notice that Nian's 90 day visa became a 119 day trip. Oh, wow. What was the hottest and mm. coldest riding you were in? Yeah, this is that makes so a difference cool. in diet. Right. 
we had we had one night there early in the piece. We were heading down through Wells, Nevada. Mm. Oh, I didn't know yeah. where I didn't know where Wells, Nevada was yeah. at the time. But when you said we cannot stop here, there's a blizzard coming. Well, we were riding in some of the worst rain we'd ever seen. I mean, we've been riding. I've been riding for forty years, mm -hmm. pretty much all over the world, and I've seen some pretty horrific weather. So here we are, heading down through Wells at dark time. It might have been 10, 11, 12, I'm not quite sure when. There was that much rain and that much water laying on the road, the big rigs were overtaking us. Well, it was, it was uh, sleet is the problem, so it made oh, it really sleet, hard to see right, yeah. uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, any oncoming headlights made it difficult. <clears throat> but, yeah, there was a blizzard warning, so we had to keep riding through it so we didn't get stuck in snow. Yeah. And then the hottest temperatures were, you know, in the 120s. Yep. But we yeah. also had um, melted us. Like the the historic flooding in St. Louis, it was the the most flooding that they have on record. We were in St. Louis on that day. Oh. They had historic flooding and um, you know thunderstorms, like more lightning strikes than have been on record in the last. 80 years we were in washington dc that day three people were get killed got killed like right oh, when we were there God. Well, got struck you, by lightning we're, we're wow just, through the lightning storm yeah i'm mm -hmm. glad you got the there, bad luck out of the way early i tell you what <laughs> yeah. you can come on our next ride oh yeah no, it sounds so fun yeah i got a question for you we're talking about all the the things that went wrong, all the hardships. But there's a reason that you guys are long distance riders. There's something about this that you love. And I can relate too because there are times I've done long distance riding where I don't want to stop riding. I'm disappointed when oh, I need to stop and get gas because my comfort place, my happy place is just in the saddle, just with the wind mm. going by. Mm -hmm. I want to know, yep. like, for you, like, what was just some of like the greatest moments, the greatest times where you're just in your element? I'm sure for Wendy, it was seeing a saddlebag overtake her. It's going to be high. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, there, was, there was days there where everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. right? The road was just perfect. The weather was just perfect. The sun angles were just perfect. We weren't hungry. We weren't tired. We weren't heat stressed. The bikes were just humming. And the day just blew by. Well, we'd stop three times for fuel, and there goes eleven hundred miles, you know. And it, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, you got to remember too. There's big chunks of that ride where we were in the worst of weather. So I think sometimes it didn't take that much of a change in the weather to feel like a really perfect day. Yeah, but really, really hot or really, really wet. You know, somewhere one of the extremes. We're sort of passing through the extremes, and in the middle was that perfect window. And then you go to the other extreme of weather, and then you're coming back to go to the other extreme. And in the middle, it's so just that perfect nice got bit. bigger. You're saying, uh, yeah. So yeah. is that is that the moment? Is that the reason you do this? Let me tell you about my the moment that that sticks out for me. And this is I know I've said it before with relation to a bunch of rides. But when I just love being on the bike, I love being on the bike all the time because there's these moments in the world, in life, whatever it is, the most beautiful thing you come across or some odd circumstance that you only happen to cross paths with that because you were on the bike in that moment. And so it's those moments that you can't just recreate. You cannot go to that space again and have that same thing happen. And for me, what it was is we were heading south um, through Missouri. And we we had been keeping really hard time all day long because there was two storms coming together. 
and these storms had kind of met up uh, and it looks like Pac-Man and we're in Pac-Man's mouth and it's getting ready to close around us. So it's not looking like we're going to clear this storm. And it is like nonstop lightning. It's not, there's no rain yet, but in the distance, just it's the middle of the night and it's like daylight, just nonstop, beautiful, like cloud to cloud lightning all over the place. And then on the road beside us in the ditches, all of a sudden, like light up just like a bazillion fireflies start lighting up mm. on the road beside us. So the road is just glowing as we're riding down in the middle of the night. And mm. I'm like, oh, man's like, you're a moron. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> and then off in the distance somewhere, there's fireworks start going off. Wow. And it's just like the convergence of like these three amazing things. I don't make any effort to see fireworks in my normal life, but I feel like I've won some stupid little lottery when I see fireworks going off when I'm riding in the middle of the night. You know, it's just one of those things that's just kind of, and I'm like these three just beautiful little things all converged all together. And I'm just like this, I just want to soak it up. Just so stunning. And there's no way you could set out to make that moment happen again. So that was what it was for me was just uh, like all of those miles. And I was rewarded with this, you know, so we did 100,000 miles close enough. And my mile, the mile that I really, really, really enjoyed the most was actually in Queensland before we went to the States. We rode in this place called Cloncurry and uh, we rode in at sunset. Now, out there, there is no artificial light. There's nothing out there. There's one town every three, four hours. And we were riding into the reddest and yellowest and most orange perfect sunset that you have ever, mm. ever seen. And we were, we were in that. Oh, no, he froze again. up again. <laughs> oh, yep. No. I was just oh, no. so glad that I was able to show that to Wendy because you, you're never going to be able to replicate that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in places like that and places like out on the Great Australian Bite, you really get the essence of Australia because it's raw nature. Just beautiful. Nice. So, I, I, I'm not. I mean, I, I want to say what's next, but you know what? I mean, it, this is in you. You're, you're going to have a what's next. It may not be that big. It doesn't have to be that big. You guys are long distance riders. This is what you love doing. So, you're just going back to the the standard of of doing like iron butt rallies and just going and riding long distance for fun. Just is that is that what you're doing, or do you think you got another big thing in you? So we spent our last three weeks lapping Area 51 at 85 or 90 miles an hour a day. Mm -hmm. And we come across these little tiny signs. What was one of them called, Wendy? Mon not Montgomery. And there was um, uh, like Manhattan. Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And we go, oh, yeah. We're flying past this sign for three weeks at 85 miles an hour. Oh, we've got to go up there. We're like a dog hanging out the window. You know, looking at a bone. Oh, we've got to go up there. Anyway, <laughs> our last day we finally stopped and went up there. And we said, we started saying, we've got to get like a couple of DR650s that we can't sit on for more than an hour <laughs> <laughs> and do something that stops us from going anywhere, basically, and just enjoy a nice slow ride. I didn't, I didn't realize they don't have ghost towns in Australia to speak no. of. So it was, not, it was not Belmont. The way you have them. Yeah, it was Belmont, the town mm -hmm. on, on our final day out there that we're like, <sighs> we're just going to take the time to go up there and, Ian, twice on the course of this trip, Ian said, 
take your helmet off. This is going to be a while. And <laughs> Belmont was one of those. And then another time in the middle of Nebraska, we saw a steam powered tractor. And mm-hmm. both of those, he was just like a little kid. He's like, if I had a box of beer, <laughs> totally. 24 hours, I would be in heaven. <laughs> so, yeah, it would be awesome if we could get a small bike that would keep us mm. no auxiliary fuel no and ice. just explore some of those places. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Nice. So it sounds like just adventuring <laughs> is in you. And uh, you, you guys finished this up, but uh, did it just get a... F- Officialized as the Guinness World Record. Yeah, was it uh, mm-hmm. what two weeks ago? Two so, weeks ago, yeah. So you're going to be. It, in, it wow. took four months. You're going to be to, in the book. It, they don't put everybody in the book, apparently, but uh, they do a selection of people. But we are on the website, and hopefully, we'll be in the book. That'd be cool. Mm. Well, congratulations yeah, on, on that. Wonderful achievement. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. what awesome. what a story. I mean, all the planning and 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 still. The perseverance, I think, more so than that. But just the you know, moment you're describing with the fireflies and the the fireworks, I'm like, yes, I get it. That's it. There are these yeah. these moments, and that makes it all worth it. And it makes it less crazy. And you know, for people who don't get it, you seem like you're crazy. But people who get it, it's like, yes, yes. You know, you know, when you when you pull up at a a car park on the top of a mountain range and there's just a general rest area and there's mums and dads and their kids running around and they all have a stretch and they're all looking down that valley with a sunset or a sunrise or a beautiful day on it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a motorcyclist to enjoy that. And we we enjoyed stuff like that all day, every day. Um, I mean, I, I can't even recall how many nice vistas we saw as we rolled over a hill around the corner where we cranked over on one foot peg or the other but it was just those snapshots of australia and those snapshots of america and i mean we spent three days riding around two and a half days riding around tasmania with a friend of ours down there who's also an iron bike rally finisher the oldest nearly the oldest woman she's the second oldest woman to finish him margaret and um we yeah we saw for five months we saw a movie that no one else would ever see. And right. It was just fantastic. Nice. Well, I, I really want to thank you guys for coming on and sharing your story. That I, I, I'm guessing we're going to get more and more uh, bits and pieces out of you guys as, as, as more of it comes up. And hopefully, maybe, uh, Wendy, we can get you out to AMA Vintage Days. Uh, it's this in the summer. works. It is good. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, because nice. we, we are all going to be there. Well, well, unfortunately, awesome. I won't. I shall be. Won't. You won't. Oh. I will be in the Dolomites. That's where I first met Wendy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You remember? I remember. Really? Was I there? Motorcycle days. Uh, you may have been. So she was speaking right before oh. me, and I went in the tent to go set up, and I just looked at her, and I'm like. Have we met before? She just looked familiar to me, just <laughs> well, like somebody I've known. Was that when I was unconscious? You might have been unconscious under the under bus. The bus <laughs> from the gin and we did poke you with a stick, though. That's for yeah. Sure. We just sat there and like, I don't know. You kind of look familiar. And like, yeah. Just I just realized like, we didn't know each other, but just I think just recognize it's that, that commonality. That commonality. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We do now. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, nice. and tell you what, if you want to do something stupid, I have the perfect stupid bike out there for you to do stupid stuff on. Oh God! Yes. Excellent. I have oh, uh, just it? like just like what Ian has it? a bike that he li- lives over here. I have bikes that live in other places. In fact, I have a uh, a KLR I keep in Custer 
for for riding cool. the Black Hills, and then I have a yeah. Benelli uh, TNT one thirty five uh-huh. with a sidecar in Ohio uh-huh. just for vintage days. Awesome. Yeah, it's like an yes. off road sidecar though. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like expanded metal and welded. And <laughs> yeah. Like, uh. You yeah. ride the bike, I'll sit in the sidecar because that's where the beer will be, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so ooh, my, my, might we get Ian out there for Vintage Days? Well, I, uh, Meg, oh. I've i got a concern about um, Ian, darling. You're in Australia. Yeah. What time is it in Australia? It's tomorrow. It's quarter to one. So it's it's 12.47 in the, in on Monday. On Monday. Lunchtime-ish. Lunchtime, wow. yeah. The future is now. And, and how many beers are you in so far? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not I'm just a, uh, uh, so my beer fridge is called Bruce. Just let me have the yeah, name. name. So, so how many times we, uh, have you visited dis- Bruce before lunch? <laughs> we discussed it ahead of time that we were going to be very, very good boy and girl, and we were not going to start drinking when we started walking him through his Zoom setup. <laughs> that we were not, we were only going to start cracking beers. Yeah. Otherwise, well, that went by the bloody wayside quickly, didn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 17 yeah. oil cans like later. Not speeding with a broken frame is irrelevant. Cheers. Well, Ian, I, 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 hope, I hope I get to meet you at some of these uh, events or rallies that we happen to frequent as well. And I'd love to get even more stories out of you. Well, wait a minute. Is he allowed back in the States? Sounds like he overstayed his visa. <laughs> no, no. So, he did not, no, he did so not overstay his visa. No. Our story. So that is a story in itself. What happened was, because we were running out of days, how long do we have left? Five minutes? Quickly. Five minutes? Yeah, quickly. Right. Do, do the quick version. So, so what happened was, a lot of people put a lot of work in to decide that we had to fly to Dallas to fly back into Dallas via Belize. Now, I didn't know where Belize was. They said, get in a plane, go there. So I bought a ticket, went there. When I got down there, I looked it up on Google Maps, found out where it was. Then I flew back to Dallas, played my case with the bloody immigration officer who looked at me and went, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think. Your story is so unreal. I think it's real. (laughs) (laughs) So in the middle of our ride, Ian had to fly to Belize. (laughs) Nice. He's a real dude. Oh, my word. Never say die. Exactly. Never give up. (laughs) We we came up with a line somewhere in one of our videos, and it sums up everything perfectly, right? The only thing that didn't break is our spirit. Yeah. Nice. Right. There you go. A movie so, in the making. So can we are, are we can we be looking forward to a book, a movie, anything? Is there going to be anything coming out of this? We're working on both. So we'll nice. see. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. He's he's got that look on his face like can't really talk about it, but mm. nice. Well, to be fair, Wendy has done 99% of this work, and I've just kind of been over here chucking Smile my bits. nod. Awesome. Yeah, I've been chucking my bits into the book as as italics because when he writes in straight up and down font, whatever that's called, and I put an italics, so I can both tell where where mm-hmm. the. But when he picks me up on the grammar and the and the fact that I put five hundred words in one sentence, so she knows. Where <laughs> <I'm stopping stuff. laughs> nice. Well, we are going to wrap up. We've got a couple emails to read. I wanted to thank uh, thank you guys again for coming on and sharing your story. I was so excited mm-hmm. when I saw the news come out. I'm like. What? Mm, that is so great. awesome. I didn't I didn't oh, know thanks, what you guys. were up to. I knew that you had been traveling with your daughter. I always knew that Wendy's doing something. She's always doing something yeah. interesting. Oh, I was checking yep. out the website and all yeah. the stuff. You are a, a busy person. It is right. pretty cool, all the stuff you have going on. Yeah. Do either of you have a plug you want to share? Do you have a podcast or something you hawk or sell? We don't we- hawk or sell anything, but we would like to say thank you to uh, MC Cruz and Inov. 
Um, we didn't uh, get any sponsorship or anything that we sought out for this ride. We wanted it to be strictly off, uh, you know, mm-hmm. on our own terms. But um, we did run a, um, uh, both of us had in-off dash cam systems that we set up to have like a cockpit cam and a forward-facing cam that worked great. And then mm-hmm. we did some, um, I uh, always sold uh, MC Cruises in my shop. And so they actually dug way back into their reserves to take new parts and put them together to make a new cruise control system for wicked old bikes, mm. um, which was very cool of them to do for our giant nice. rides. So thank you to both of those guys. They were awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Without Inov, we would never have a video a movie in the of, what we did, of what we did. Yeah. And the K5 that we used was just rock solid. Nice. Always true. Well, I can't wait to hear more. Thank you once again for coming. Ian, you can go drinking now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Right. Thank you, everybody. Right. Thanks. Good, good talking to you guys. Good job. Right. Ciao, guys. Ciao. Isn't that crazy? Just crazy. Oh my yeah, gosh. Well, crazy. wonderful guests. So interesting. And I would bet when they finish these long, long rides, when they get off, like it's about five minutes later, you're like, I think I want to get back on the bike again. You know, that can be like the last <laughs> few hours of a long Could ride. Be. You're like, I can't wait to get off the bike. And as soon as you do, you're like, yeah. I can get back on. And I'm just wondering, Bagel, were you inspired? Would you like... Hmm, alphabetical order states. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, I, very, I, I on a scooter. It hasn't been that done. Sounds like a but great idea. I don't think it has. I, I was reminded over and over again, one of the greatest attributes you can have for something like that is a sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. you have to approach it with some degree of ridicule because it is so ridiculous. And being able to to see the fun in it, even when you're riding a bike with a broken frame that's folding itself <laughs> oh in half. Um, Sparking along the ground. Yeah, we're going to get to the emails real quick. Um, just wanted to give an update. Um, come to our rally, breakingawaytrips.com. Uh, Scott, you're coming. Uh, Ray, you're coming. We're all going to be there. Uh, Jim and I are working on the challenge course. The challenge. No the challenge course. And Ray, you've done the challenge course at, at Jocelyn's. Jo- oh, oh, so we're coming up with about. our own version uh, well, what's of fun. a challenge course to set up so people can do it on their own bikes. And cool. you can do it on a bike as small as uh, Freya just got her new PW50. Yeah. So you can do it on that or little you can do it on a big, big GSA. Bike. So they'll all be little skill building games and... Cool. Fun shenanigans that we yeah, can do. Yeah, we're, we're having nice. a lot of fun. But um, I will, um, I'm actually going to bring Rufus out for that. And you I shouldn't. Know, well, Ooh. no, because we're doing street rides. Again, yeah, it's the best bike you got. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's a, it's one of the bikes I've got. It's the, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to get to some emails real quick. Bagel, you have one queued up? Um, I do. And Jim, you have one you're paraphrasing, I right? do. Uh, you want to do that one real quick? Yeah, sure. We can yeah, knock yeah, it out. It's very long, so he's just kind of paraphrasing. Yeah, so no no offense to our, our good friend Jack, hey Jack Martin. Hey, Jack. What's happening? He wrote a really great long email, but just for the sake of time, I'm going to condense mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'll, I will read the first part, though. Folks, I came across your website when I found your interview with Todd Huffman. Yeah. And if you remember, Todd had done the uh, John Penton documentary. Yeah, which we loved. Which right. if you haven't yeah. seen, you definitely should. Um, shame on you. But it's a, it's a really a brilliant movie. Um, great American tale. Anyway, he uh, was the attorney from Texas who suggested to Todd that the Pinton story of ingenuity, tragedy, dogged persistence, and family values needed to be told. And yeah. he said he was mandated. So anyway, he kind of gave him the impetus for it. And those it. are all the reasons I loved it. It's a good story. But the Penton family is so fascinating. And because of this movie and Todd... 
Yes. When I was at Vintage Days, Todd introduced me to the Pentons, and I got to have lunch oh, with them. Oh, that is so it cool. You got to sign more name yeah. to me. Yeah, the, well, it's behind the bar. Yeah, the number plate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how so cool. So the Penton story, great. Yeah, so he helped out with everything from driving to fundraising and all this kind of cool stuff. And he like and the whole Lyle Levitt connection. Lyle yes. Levitt connection. So uh, he narrates the movie, if you haven't seen it, and his sultry voice. And his background in motorcycle maintenance was kind of cool to find mm-hmm. out as well. So great movie, if you haven't seen it. Um, so... Uh, yeah, and then the music he also referenced in there, a woman named Sarah, I'm going to butcher the name, Jaros or something mm-hmm. like that, J-A-R-O-S-Z, uh, who has since gone on to win numerous awards, Grammys and all that kind of stuff. So uh, really cool. So yeah, Jack was just stoked to hear about the podcast and wrote in, but really neat backstory on on how the movie was made. And uh, let's see. Yeah, and thank you for your input. It it you found the right guy to do it. Todd did a great job, and it is a very good movie. The Todd, uh, sorry, the Todd, the John, John Penn story. story. Jim well, and I watched it. We loved it. Yeah, I was. I was, when we first saw it, I hadn't seen it before. I was really surprised you don't hear more about it. But yeah, definitely a top five but if, or three. If you want to know where KTM motorcycles come from. Well, the whole, yeah, there's so much there to the old, the old endurance racing they would do, like in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. And I think there's a great oh, yeah. picture of John Pinnett with his face all kind of smashed open, <laughs> blood coming everywhere. He's going through a checkpoint and off he goes. Uh, but anyway, yeah, right so, on. Thank you. Um, I have one from Sam. Uh, Sam says, hey, Misfits, on the last show, Liza said that chrome is just for aesthetics. Uh, we were talking about how they're, did you hear by 2035 they want to make chrome uh, chromine illegal in California? Mm-hmm. And I've always said, you know, for really good chrome, people had to die, right? So, um, yeah, so they want to get rid of chromine here. He says, um, so you said that chrome are just for aesthetics. I don't think that's true. Motorcycle forks are chrome plated. I assume this is done for the same reason that hydraulic cylinders on heavy machinery is plated in chrome. It's smooth, so it doesn't tear up the seals, and it has a pretty good weather resistance. Even when used on big tractors and excavators that spend their working lives exposed to the weather. Um, polished stainless does the same thing, and it's not chrome. Chrome is aesthetic. Is that what they use on those hydraulic rams for loaders and things? Is that yeah. chrome? Is it really? Yes, but it's a plating. It's just cheaper than using, say, polished stains. Yeah, okay. Or um, uh, what was the other one? Um, the uh, di- When you have the colored coatings. Anodized? Yeah, yeah. like there are other <laughs> forms. Yeah. I, I do hold strong that it is aesthetic, but it is also more affordable than, say, stainless. Uh, he says, question for Miss Emma. Hello, darling. Tell me why yes. are motorcycles so clean and oil tight? My Japanese bikes have lovely engines that look new even after years of use. What changed from, say, the old Harleys or automobiles of decades past where oil would seep from all the seals and gaskets of the engines of the day? Oh, God, there's (laughs) there's a variety of reasons for that. And one, I'm just going to highlight one. Yeah. Um, It's as simple as that. Most Japanese bikes are wet sump design, which basically means that the oil is kept in the bottom of the engine. And when you start the engine, the oil pump sucks the oil from the bottom and pumps it around the engine, and everything's hunky-dory and lovely. A Harley-Davidson and an English bike, whether it's BSA or a Triumph, are a dry sump system, which means that the oil is carried in a bag, in a tank, higher than the engine. Now, um... There are a lot of advantages of having an oil tank because the level's not so, so quite so critical as in an oil um, 
wet sump system. But the big problem, and this is what I'm coming to with oil retention, is gravity inevitably does its thing. And over a period of three or four days, you know, sometimes a week, all the oil that was in the tank navigates to the bottom of the engine through gravity. And when you start it up, in effect, there is far too much oil in the bottom of the engine and something's got to give and it can come out of any any tiny orifice in the engine. It's going to leak like crazy. And you that's one of the reasons you add in better machining. Yeah, metallurgy. Better metallurgy, just better design. You know, there's absolutely no reason that engines shouldn't be completely oil tight now. And, you know, Honda's a great example. Even Honda Cruisers. Honda haven't used any gaskets in their engines now for years. If you pull a VT750 apart, it's no gaskets in it. It's all mating surfaces and and goo, which Mm. is great from my perspective, because if you want to do a clutch in a shadow, you don't have to buy a... Uh, right. Clutch cover gasket, because there isn't one. It's just goo on. Snap little goo you on know, there. Yeah, they've, they've right. gotten so good. But in my opinion, one of the major reasons that British bikes leaked so much and Harleys leaked so much, the early ones, is that you'd always have this wet sump condition. You'd fire them up, and the oil had to go somewhere. I mean, eventually it'd get back into the oil tank and continue its normal cycle. But for that first minute, it's going to mm. find a hole. And believe me, when it's found a hole to go out, eh, you ain't going to plug that What's hole up. What's funny is I think you've also described Stumpy John's problem. Well, Stumpy John, yes, has a variety of problems. But usually there's far too much liquid sloshing around inside of him. <laughs> and it, it finds a hole. And yeah, it finds any available hole that oh, no. comes out. <laughs> All right. I think we have time for one more. Uh, you guys are going to have to hold on to your emails. We'll save them next week. But Bagel... You have yes. one there to share. Bagler. I do. I have one from Chad Butler. Chad. Hey, Chad. Is it hanging yes. Chad? Or <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe pregnant Chad. I don't know. Okay, very good. <laughs> but, but Chad writes, hello, misfits. I'm writing in regards to your helmet slash organ donor do- debate. Mm. I appreciate that you all seem to support the reasonable practice of wearing a helmet. I also support wearing a helmet Though, like those freedom-loving folks at the AMA, I don't agree that helmet usage should be legislated. I agree with legislating eye protection, as lack of eye protection could become the cause of an accident, which could affect other drivers, pedestrians, etc. The devil and I are good pals. And although I disagree with a lot of here viewpoints, uh, I'll often often offer up whatever good-slash-bad ideas she he has to offer, as sometimes the most reasonable voices and opinions can be contrary to public opinion. Mm -hmm. So, helmets are a good idea because they can protect us in the event that we crash. However, it doesn't seem to make better sense to, doesn't it seem to make better sense to aim our legislative efforts at preventing crashes rather than crash assistance? A common factor in crashing includes alcohol. Okay. Which (laughs) could be addressed with a zero tolerance rather than a legal limit. Motorcyclists who have any amount of alcohol in their system could face, as a preventative measure, suspension or loss of their endorsement, license, or motorcycle. Another factor is speed, and there could be a number of ways to address this issue. 
One would be to institute higher fines for motorcycles. Another would be to have slightly lower speed limits for motorcycles, similar to the lower speed limits we often see for semis. A third approach would be to require manufacturers to install a chip in new bikes that could communicate to transponders on speed limit signs so that motorcycles would have would have a reactive speed limit filter that would automatically keep us at or below posted speed limits. Okay, hold on. Like, I, I, I got to jump in at this point. This is just where I Let me just finish up. He, he said, said he's being oh, like, like I said, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> like I said, these aren't my ideas mm-hmm. and I don't support them, but they all seem to make better sense to me than helmet laws and could be good points for debate. Liza, what were you going to say? What I was going to say, in general, I think that motorcycle speed limits should be 10 miles higher than posted speed limits because motorcyclists can navigate anything a car can 20 miles faster an hour at the same same ease. Going slower makes you a target Mm -hmm. to other cars. So that, let's take that one off the table. (laughs) And then the, the drinking, I don't know how many accidents are a result of drinking all the people I know who were in accidents. It had nothing to do with alcohol, yeah. but it, it was, had to do with road conditions, bike conditions and other drivers. It was only usually. one gin and I'm tonic, just saying, darling. I'm just saying, I think that's such a small percentage. Yes. I do not advocate riding and, <coughs> and, 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 but and, I, and drinking. So, but I would take that off yeah. the table. I think it is such a small, I, and, I, and if whatever you apply to a motorcycle, she should also apply to a car driver too. To, yes, and right. that, I was because gonna say that is and the a truck lar- driver and a bus driver and a motor- and, bicyclist. You know? And yep. that is the larger point that we we're all missing. Any law that says for motorcyclists yeah. is mm-hmm. inherently a bad law because we're being targeted. Right, because it's singling out a, a specific group for for that right, law alone. Exactly. When a well, laws should apply to everyone equally. Right. Yes. So you know, if you if you want to have a zero tolerance policy for alcohol behind, you know on the road, then have it apply to cars and buses and trucks and everything. Why not? You know why 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 should that apply just to motorcyclists? So I I you know I, I agree with with you, Liza and Emma that that I'm not sure those are the remedies. It's interesting thought for for debate, but let me finish up Chad, Chad's email. Yeah, he says on on another note, uh, it says on another note, I'll be happy to see you at the One Motor Show coming up in Portland. Yay! Hopefully, nobody drops off an envelope of dick pics again. <laughs> Such poor taste. Once again, the devil made me or someone do it. <laughs> Hail Satan! <laughs> Ride fast to take chances, Chad Butler, Sio, Oregon. P.S. P.S. Bagel is my favorite misfit. Oh. He's hardcore, intelligent, well-spoken, and polite. A true role model. Well, thank and you, Chad. This is why you never get dick punched, Bagel. Well, I thank you. You're I appreciate that, Liza. And my dick appreciates that, too. Well, there we go. Another show. What do you guys think? Um, it was so great for Wendy and Ian to come. Yeah. I want especially for him to come from tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, the the he's got travel. so many stories. I mean, we could have gone. Oh, they both have oh crazy oh, yeah. stories. We should get them back for more stories later. I, I think. I agree because there's some good stuff there. I have no doubt. Yeah, but I think that there's um, some good lessons there. And like I was saying, uh, now I mean, my takeaway is if you see a biker lying down on the road, it might just be somebody, one of them napping. Mm-hmm. Might, it may well be. 
But you need to check them for death. Poke them with a stick. Poke them with a stick. Unless their bike is upright, then you don't. If if you see if you see them napping, the bike is upright. They're fine. Don't worry. Just keep going. That's the Iron Butt Hotel. If the bike's on its side, then there's a problem. Yeah, I know. Uh, so you guys, we're heading out of town soon. Yeah, Vegas, baby. Viva Las Vegas. We'll be safe. Yeah. But we will be back. Be, be next... safe in the Petri just out there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll be back <laughs> next Sunday. Yep. Um, we'll be doing the show and, and throwing in some of the interviews we get right. at AIM Expo, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and also just I think that this is going to be a good gauge of how the industry is changing. So, um, yeah, we'll have some stories. Um, I think that's it. Thank you, Scott and Ray, for coming down and joining us. Ray, you wrote up on something new today. Well, relatively new, a few months old. Yeah, tell tell yeah. everyone what it is. Oh, it's a, it's a Vespa 300 GTS. Hey, so nice. Yes. I, I was Excellent. infected by bagel. <laughs> awesome. It's a beautiful I'm color glad, too. It's almost glad like a shirt disease or a sunrise. It's a Vespa. I thought it was a pumpkin. <laughs> 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 it turns into a pumpkin at midnight, Lisa. <laughs> no, I, I had no Very choice. Cool. It was a used one, you know. I didn't have a choice in the color, so you know, I struggled with it. But I kind of grew on like me. It. I, I like know, it. Yeah. It's grown on. No, me. I like it's nice it. Invisible. Exactly. Enjoy. All right. So on that note, I think we're ready to get out of here. Go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. You'll find links to everything there. You can find our schedule of events where we're going to be. And you can also buy T-shirts there. And one other thing I want to ask everyone, if you have not yet, could you please leave a review on Patreon or whatever listening device uh, you use? It helps other people find us as well. Um, You guys ready to get out of here? Let's do it. Thanks, everybody. This is Liza. Emma Darling. Ray Ray. Scott. Naked Jim, son. Bagel. And we are out of here. (laughs) Cool, cool.